Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Trayvon. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Jake Spear, and I am joined, as always, by my two best buddies, Double O Darby Deck. Ah! <laughs> and our MI6 expert, Commander Brandon McClelland. Reporting for duty. Yes, he is, as uh, always. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you may be listening uh, today. We hope your week has been Trey Bond. Uh, I see what you did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you're liking things, folks, get in touch with us. Touch base with us through social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Trey Bond. Send us an email, TreyBondPod at, at gmail.com. Gmail. It is pronounced Gmail. Gmail? Gmail.com. I was saying it wrong too. Oh, it's it's like whole time. Yeah. Gmail something. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Oh, mm. I see that though. Yeah. I see it. That's all I see yeah, when that's I look at it. You're, you're yeah, 10 years ago. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. If these bad jokes are annoying you, let us know. No, um, don't let us know that. <laughs> don't tell me that. <laughs> we work hard on these. Yeah. Yeah, weeks of writing. Weeks and weeks of writing. Brandon, our mission today. Our mission today is 1989's License to Kill. Ooh. I'm yes. excited. I'm very excited. I'm on the fence. Yes, oh. I thought you would be. <laughs> I, I think I said last week in um, Diamonds Are Forever that that was a kind of tastemaker yes. for Mentos. the campy... Yeah, the fresh maker, the that's fresh. right. Um, for, uh, for the campy side of Bond. Mm-hmm. I think this is the tastemaker for the opposite mm-hmm. end of that pendulum swing. Mm. Uh, this is... How gritty do you like? So are you telling me there are no jokes? No, there, there are jokes. Well, there are jokes. Can't be in that it. gritty then. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, because we'll <laughs> I think one thing that we learned there from... are there are attempts at jokes oh. made. Oh no! In the same way that I would say Die Hard is a pretty gritty film, but it's yep. also got a Quite lot of very funny, funny jokes oh, in yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Also, a lot of the cast of Die Hard are in this movie. <laughs> well, hang on a second. 87 for License to Kill? 80, 89. 89. 87 for Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. okay. So it's the big thing at this time. Mm, yes. It's so the, the big, big things thing. at this time. Yeah. Uh, Lethal Weapon. Yes. Miami Vice. Mm. Die Hard. Mm. Are we going to America again? We're going to Miami, baby. (laughs) We're going to Miami and the fictional Mexican city of Ismus. What? (laughs) I don't see my Dalton boy in America. I don't see him there. Mm. You're about to. And it's the only James Bond film where James Bond does not set foot in the United Kingdom. Oh, okay. Wow. He does not set foot in London or M's office. There's none of that in this film. Right. Gee whiz. Yeah. Didn't they do that in... Uh... No. no don't I'd me. like to be proved wrong. What were you thinking? I was thinking you... <laughs> I mean, the... I don't like to be proved wrong. <laughs> where was the... Which was the movie where we got uh, Q in his khaki shorts? That was Yolt. That was You Only Live Twice. But yeah. they were in London at the start, right at the top of that film, weren't they? Actually, you might be right. Wow. You did it so quickly. <laughs> You might be right. I don't know. I don't, know. I, I don't think he is, because he's in Hong Kong when he gets shot. Mm. Yeah. This is a fact check, almost. Yeah. Uh, before the fact check. 
Uh, yeah, he's in Hong Kong when he gets shot. Where is he? The M's Buried office, uh, Hong Kong Harbor. Yeah. M's office in that scene is the submarine. Is in the yeah the naval ship or sub mm. or, whatever, or it whatever it is. I think you're right. Yeah, I don't think you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you're right. Well, I think I know more about Bond than well, you do. Well, hang on now. Okay, we have to do the introduction again because I'm not the man in the <laughs> now, field. Now, MI6 expert in the field, Darby Deck. Uh, <laughs> looks like it's 008's time to say. <laughs> Finally get a shot at it. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, here's one for you. Mm. It's mid-morning. It is. It, it is. is it is actually mid morning at the time of recording. It's, yeah. it's mid morning and the air is already stuffy and humid. It is. Well, Bonds three, are warm three boys. Oh, three you boys. guys gotta start this. There are three. You use some kind of seer. Oh, it's gonna be a long episode, folks. <laughs> Let's see if I can time how long it takes for the to see if you get three prophetic oh, statements. Oh, yeah. there you go. God. Three sweaty men's. <laughs> <laughs> the air is stuffy and humid as Bond makes his way towards the entrance of Sangster International Airport on the island nation of Jamaica. Sangster. Bond is just tentative in right. his. Yeah, just let me go! <laughs> Bond is tentative in his movements as he subtly edges his way toward the entrance of the departure terminal, as he has spent the morning in pursuit of a suspect that has led him to this very moment. Wearing a classic beige trouser and white open-collar linen shirt, he is ready for action whilst remaining inconspicuous amongst the crowd of bustling holiday makers. I think I figured out how he gets the word check into this one. Oh, yeah. have you? No, no, I'm not say, I don't want to ruin it for the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say something? <laughs> Nothing. All right. Although he doubts that any of these tourists has a Walther PPK holstered to their chest and a watch that can detonate half a pound of C4 that they have concealed in the heel of their Sperry boat shoe. Have you started Ooh, writing s- Bond fanfic? Possibly. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> I love the clothing. Continue. <laughs> As Bond acknowledges a recognisable red... Oh, sorry, hang on. I'll go back. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. go. As Bond rests against a large concrete pillar... As Bond rests against a large concrete pillar at the main doors of the terminal, he quickly recognises a red convertible from which a severe and towering Scandinavian man now exits. Held firmly in this man's grip is a steel briefcase. As the blonde giant approaches the departure terminal, Bond swiftly leans over and plucks a crisp Panama hat from the back seat of a nearby parked convertible, unbeknownst to the sweaty driver asleep at the wheel. Who could blame him in this heat? With his identity now concealed, Bond eases his way into the chaos of the departure terminal a few lengths behind his Scandinavian assailant. It isn't long before the oddly Aryan suspect comes to a stop to glance at the rolling list of departure flights skimming across the giant screen overhead. What flight is he catching? What year are we in? We don't know. When is the the right time to strike? I only have one shot at this. Bond is growing restless. His time is running out. 
The mystery man and his briefcase soon move on and join the queue, and Bond soon shuffles in a few bodies behind his man. With only two people between him and his target, could Bond just make his move now? Get it over and done with? The risk is too great. He must bide his time. The line of weary tourists slinks closer and closer to the kiosks, and before long the blonde behemoth, with suitcase in hand, strides forward to a small counter and is greeted by a stout young woman with a cheesy, with a cheery gaze. Cheesy, cheesy, cheery gaze. (laughs) Where are you travelling today, sir? Bond lurches over, straining to catch the destination of his mark. Geneva barks the tall man in stiff reply. Next, please. Bond's eavesdropping is cut short by a rather trim-looking woman awaiting him at another counter. The counter directly next to Bond's target. This is too close for comfort. With his head down, Bond gently nudges his newly acquired Panama over his right eye to further conceal himself from his monstrously sized adversary now standing beside him. They had already had one tussle this morning, and now was certainly not the time nor the place for another. Where are you travelling today, sir? asks the powdered hostess with a smile. Geneva, replies Bond. Unless you have any other suggestions? He adds with a glimpse of a cheeky smile. I hear it's lovely this time of year, parries the hostess. None of that kind of talk here, Mr Bond. I'm told it can get quite chilly. Perhaps I should have packed something that can heat things up a little. The large Scandinavian slowly turns his head to size up the odd man in a Panama to his left. What an odd thing to say. And his voice is strangely familiar. Any baggage you need to check, sir? No, that won't be necessary. I shan't be staying long, brags Bond. Oh, but there is one thing I need to check. A fact check! Ladies yeah, and gentlemen, oh, fact check! Done. Look, here's my problem. Yes, what? I get invested in the story. Yes. And then the punchline, I know it's coming. <laughs> and But what happens in the story? Yeah. Well, well, Why is he chasing this guy? I think next week... You've got to pick you up have from... To, you have you've to pick, pick up, up from exactly that this point. This can be our Bond yes. serial. The, yes, the, this, the is bond, this is our serialised fact check Bond. I must say, I want to give you a big tick, because that was very Fleming. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was very Fleming. I thought that was very good. <laughs> Yeah. Tune in next week, folks. I don't care well, about the facts right now. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> what's going to happen? Story. Make up a story. <laughs> go on, go on. What's yeah. going to happen in Fact Check Bond? <laughs> well, I want to take you all the way back to Diamonds Are Forever. Oh God, so long ago. So long ago. Um, look, I called out for a fact check. Um, Did you? Well, kind of, kind of. Um, when you watch this movie back, and we sort of did discuss this during the episode, but when you watch the movie back, during the moon buggy chase, there's a shot where one of the cars rolls over, and then out of nowhere, this random wheel rolls across the foreground of the screen. But it doesn't look like a car wheel. It's we the thought it was wheel. the buggy wheel. The buggy yes, wheel. I, yes, I suggested I thought, the theory yeah. that off the screen the buggy had crashed and the wheel had fallen off. Brandon, you said that that is exactly what had happened. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Did I? No word of a lie, I'll stick my life on it. I must say, t- uh, this morning I'm drinking a black coffee. Yes. Uh-huh. He's, he's, he's reformed. He's still hung over from last week. <laughs> <laughs> you watch your mouth. 
There were multiple accounts that did confirm this theory. Well, but... then, fact-checked. All right. All right. But I will say this. Um, the scene was filmed in a Johns Manville gypsum plant located on the outskirts of Las Vegas. None Nevada. of those words meant they anything. Are, they aren't real words. <laughs> gypsum salt. It was a, it was a salt <clears throat> plant. Gypsum? Gypsum. You know, gypsum, like gypsy, L- Lorem Gypsum Dollar Cinema, John's <laughs> Manville. I think it's a brand. Gypsum plant. I you, think. Are you speaking words? Yes, yes. <laughs> During the filming, the moon buggy's wheels kept falling off. One account suggested because oh. of the heat of oh. the desert that the the wheels weren't meant for heat, so they <laughs> kind of <didn't>. what? <laughs> yeah, these axles aren't great. <laughs> They're just sort of falling falling off. You're going to be driving above 20 degrees Celsius? <laughs> oh, not, not in this, you ain't. <laughs> you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> this thing's designed for the moon. <laughs> it's very cold up there in the moon. Now, the moon buggy was apparently discovered rotting in a farmer's field in Kent in the early 1990s. And completely oh. respo- it was completely restored in 1993 by the James Bond International Fan Club. Good on you. Well done. And in 2004, it was auctioned off and purchased by Planet Hollywood Las Vegas for $44,000. Ooh. Very nice. Now, I don't know if you would know this off the top of your head, but I feel like you might. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't be there anymore, would it? Because, oh no, you said Planet Hollywood. What am I thinking of? I'm thinking of Hard Rock Cafe. Ah, I thought Hard Rock Cafe. They're similar. Yeah. They're similar. Is Planet Hollywood still around? Because Hard Rock Cafe's gone, isn't it? No, Hard Rock's are still There's one in Darling Harbour. There's one down in Harbour, I thought that one got the boot. No, it's still there in the harbour. Ah, down at Darling Harbour. This episode brought to you by Hard Rock Cafe (laughs) in Darling Harbour. (laughs) Well, I was in Vegas... Um, 2010. That was a decade ago. It was. Then I was there again in 2015, and it was, that was still five there. Years half ago. a decade ago. Half there a was deck. there was the big hard rock guitar shaped hotel oh, okay. that's still there on the strip. So well, I've been proven wrong. <clears throat> now, we kept referring to the final layer in diamonds, the oil the, rig. The oil rig. Yes, as an oil derrick. Oh no, because a Derek. Did we say Derek multiple God. times? I have an excuse. I don't think I, I ever drinking. said it. I don't know. I don't know. But if I, I, if I said Derek, it was because I was drinking. Right. A Derek what? is the there the, will be blood. Diamonds are f- uh, not diamonds are forever. Mm. Um, the the things that are in uh, the world is not enough. Right. Right. Uh-huh, right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So the structure used as Blofeld's final base of operations at the end of the film is more commonly referred to as an oil platform an offshore oil platform, or offshore drilling rig. These are large structures with facilities for well drilling to explore, extract, store, and process petroleum and natural gas that lies in rock formations beneath the seabed. A derrick, bear with me, is a lifting device... That was to the listener. (laughs) That was... That was to Darby, because he'll say I'm not speaking English. As I was writing this fact, I knew he was going to take the piss. A derrick is a lifting device composed at minimum of one guide mast. What? Yes. What are you saying? Which, which may be articulated over a load you by adjusting... You could articulate a bit better. Oh. 
by adjusting its guy lines, folks. Tell Most the folks at home what a guy line is. <laughs> you notice I passed an actual Derek on the way here. It's a big mast with safety lines coming off it to keep the damn thing standing up. Most Derek's have at least two components, either a guide mast with its safety lines on it or a self-supporting tower with a boom that's hinged at its base to provide articulation. Oh, yes. I'm gesticulating with my hands, folks, to kind of... You know, it helps him. It just it helps these guys visualise what I'm doing. Because they're... Idiots. We'll put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the most basic type of derrick is controlled by three or four lines connected to the top of the mast, which allows it both to move laterally and can't up and down, for all you engineers out there. To lift a load, a separate line runs up and over the mast with a hook on its free end, as in a crane. A crane is a kind of derrick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what does this have to do with James yeah. Bond? Oh, well, well, it's well, we're it's calling it an oil derrick. It's I, not a bloody oil yeah, derrick. Yeah, well, just tell me that it's not an oil derrick. <laughs> You've gone full Rain Man. <laughs> Oh. Another kind of derrick <laughs> is, is used on oil wells and other yeah, drill obviously. holes. Both the structure itself and the complex set of machines associated with it are referred to as a derrick. This is also used on some offshore oil rigs. Oh, so there could have been a derrick. No, 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 not oil rig. Drilling rig. Or oil platform. Yeah, offshore, very good. Offshore very good. Derek platforms. Yes. I will say this. <laughs> you didn't notice. There, no. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> there was mention of oil derricks again in the title sequence of Goldeneye. Uh-huh. And how the swinging sledgehammers were a reflection of the aforementioned oil derricks. Yeah. What you were actually referring to wasn't an oil derrick. Oh, here we oh, go. Oh, okay. No, okay, so I am right. But it was so they're not in The World Is Not Enough. It either. was what is referred to as a pump jack, which is another mechanism commonly used Lots of men's names in the li- oil liquid business. Liquid out of a well. Derrick. Pump jack. <laughs> <laughs> masculine world of oil Oscar. drilling. Oscar. <laughs> and uh, Peter. Alright, Brandon mentioned that the original ending of this film was meant to be in a salt mine in South Africa. No, in a diamond mine, right? Because of the title of the film. Possibly, yes. Did I say salt mine? Well, now you've got me second-guessing. Oh my god, no, I have to stop drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Maybaum's original idea for the ending was a giant boat chase across Lake Mead with Blofeld being pursued by Bond and all the Las Vegas casino owners who would be sailing in their private yachts, but the idea was deemed too expensive to replicate, so it was dropped. Hmm. The oil rig finale was originally intended to be much more spectacular. Hmm. Armed frogmen would jump from the helicopters into the sea and attach limpet mines to the rig's legs. Blofeld would have escaped in his Bartho sub, as he does, And Bond would have pursued him hanging from a weather balloon. The chase would have continued across a salt mine, 
with the two mortal enemies scrambling over white hills of salt before Blofeld would fall to his gruesome death in a salt granulator. Permission was not granted by the owners of the salt mine. It, was also, it, it would also make the sequence far too long. Further problems then followed when the explosives for the finale were set off too early. That's right. Fortunately, a handful of the cameras were ready and able to capture some of the footage. Wow. That's right. Someone let off the bloody... They explosive. detonated. So it actually was a salt mine. It, the original intended uh, climax of the film was supposed to finish in a salt mine. Oh, and Blofeld go. was going to be yeah fall into this granulator. It's going to be killed. And be chopped up. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm confusing what the... Because um, there was a Diamonds Are Forever that was written with Lazenby in mind. Right. Um, which they had to completely rework once they got Connery back. Um, but maybe that's what I'm thinking of in that it, that was what was going to end up in South Africa. Right. Because in the... <clears throat> pardon me. In the novel, I, th- I think it might be... I don't know which novel it is, but when Bond finally kills Blofeld... Mm. It's with his own hands. Ooh. He strangles him to death for after the death of Tracy. And I think he also strangles Blofeld's... I think their husband and wife in the novels, Irma um, uh, Bunt. Oh, really? Yeah, he kills them both. Whoa. I because, thought you were say he strangles his cat. Well, maybe he would. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Moving on. Why is Connery wearing a ridiculously short tie? Ah, uh, yeah. It was the style back in the day. It was the style of the, the time. Style of the day. We wore an onion on our back. This angered us all greatly. Brandon even went so far as to say it was a chode of a tie. <laughs> yeah. For those... I said those words. <laughs> you said those specific <laughs> That words. sounds like a Derby Deck thing to say. No. I think I've ever no. said chode. For those chode. that don't know what a chode is, we will directly direct uh, you, you to Urban on, Dictionary. Yes, yeah. <laughs> this, is a, this is a family podcast. <laughs> uh, now, look, I couldn't let this go. I had to get to the bottom of this. For a character and a franchise renowned for its style yeah. and high-class fashion... How could they go so wrong with this short, fat, pink... Chode. ...tie? (laughs) (laughs) The only answer I could come up with was that it might be something to do with the period, right? That it had to be some stylistic choice Uh um, for this absolute atrocity. And it turns out what was responsible was the biggest thing to happen to men's neckwear in decades. A little thing called the Kipper tie. Primarily fashionable amongst the British youth during the mid-1960s to late 1970s, the phrase Kipper tie was allegedly coined by British designer Michael Fish. Character... Let me just restart in here. Thank you. Reboot. Thank you. Characteristically, it was huge. A rejection of the skinny ties of the 1950s and early 60s, it drew inspiration from the wide ties of the 30s and 40s. A kipper would span anywhere between four and a half inches to six inches wide and came in bold. 
<laughs> and came in bold colours, small feminine prints and psychedelic swirls. Groovy. It was not uncommon to see a kipper tie worn shorter than more traditional ties. It was meant to stand out and give the wearer true personality. Oh, does yeah. that. Yeah. Certainly does that. Now, here's a little bit of uh, trivia for you. Well, I'm just uh, jumping in there, a yeah. bit of trivia as well. Yeah. I find it quite funny that the, the man's last name was Fish. So yes. I thought that was funny. And that he called it a kipper tie. Kipper tie. Have oh. kippers for breakfast. Yeah. 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 No, they're lovely on a bit of toast. Oh. I love them. He would have had so many options. Yeah, sardine, so, and ant- a, a lot of <laughs> a lot hey. of fish that would have been around that four and a half to six, six inches. Inch inch well. fish. How did he? Uh, how did he? How did he to pick it? <laughs> He's having kippers for breakfast that morning. <laughs> Wait a minute, Doris. I'm going at the office. <laughs> The kipper tie was born. Before Fish opened his own store in 1966. <laughs> it's my breakfast tie. <laughs> we need a different name. It doesn't quite have the same ring to it, does you can't it, Michael? Wear it with a dinner jacket. <laughs> oh, God. Before Fish opened up his own store in 1966, he worked as a designer. For high-class British tailor, Turnbull and Asser. You're kidding. The shirt makers of James Bond. Yes. There you go. There you go. What's the scientist's name? (laughs) Which scientist? It's like a a Hergesheimer or a Glaukenscheimer. What did you say? A Glaukenscheimer. No, the first thing you said. Herbentreiber. Yeah, Hergensheimer. Hergesheimer. Sober Brandon knows best. Oh, what, we had what scientists. We had Carl. Uh, yeah, the, ra- the, radi- the radiation. The radiation test from guy section that comes up. section B or section section two seven or one. Or, yeah. Oh yeah. The the Bond impersonator. You know that great moment when he slides through the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. putting the car. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we had Carl. We thought it was Carl. Doctor Glaucoma. Guggenheimer, Glaussheimer, Klaus Glowsheimer, Glaschimer, Glaukenscheimer, my favourite one, Glaukenschleimler. Actually, that sounds better. <laughs> it's Klaus Hergesheimer, is his name. Hergesheimer. You were right. Played by the incredibly diverse Ed Bishop, who has collected a total of 128 acting credits. Since 1962. Well deserved. I think he's one of the best. I don't know if we gave him a shout out last week, but I would like to... I think he's give... up there with our best kind of support yeah, cameo yeah, characters. He's our, he's our day player of the week. I mm. think so. We've stopped doing that. We've yeah. got to get back to we that. Get we back do. To the we day do. promise with License to Kill we will give you a day we'll player of the week. Absolutely. He appeared as several characters in the TV series The Saint. Oh, starring Roger Moore. Yes. He was also credited as Hawaii Capcom in You Only Live Twice. Hawaii. Oh, there you go. And Ares 1B Lunar Shuttle Captain. <gasps> in Moonraker? No. Oh. In 2001 A Space Odyssey. <gasps> Moonraker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my, now, my, my field of reference is purely James it's Bond purely film. Outside so when you that, said anything space, I went... Of course. Of course. The space bond. Yeah. When director Guy Hamilton couldn't remember a name, he would call it Hergesheimer. Hence the appearance of uh, the Doctor named like Hergesheimer. Like Watson. Yeah, exactly right. It's a bit of an in-joke from screenwriter Tom Mankiewicz. On the topic of was Scorsese influenced by this film, 
Oh, yes, our weekly segment. Yes, yes. <laughs> I asked what big films of the 60s and 70s were set in Las Vegas. Brandon said he doesn't know the Rat Pack's filmography very well, but he imagines all of them are set in Las Vegas. Yeah. Right? Right. <laughs> Diamonds Are Forever was the 12th film ever in the history of the universe to be set in Las Vegas. Are you... What? Only 12th. The first film being 1941's Las Vegas Nights, which was the debut film of a 26-year-old Frank Sinatra. Ooh. Rat Pack. Mmm. Mmm. The second film to be set in Sin City came 11 years later. That doesn't make any sense. In 1952, titled The Las Vegas Story, produced by none other... Than Frank Sinatra. Than Howard Hughes. Okay. <laughs> the yeah. inspiration for Willard White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brandon, you mentioned the Rat Pack. The only Rat Pack film set in Las Vegas at this time, up to this point, is the film called All of Them, which was what I was saying. Uh, ah, that right. was actually oh, the point I was making. Yeah. Right, As a runtime right. of 100. Yeah, well, that days. would be wrong. Uh, the film that was a Rat Pack film set in Vegas at the time also went on to be the number one box office film in US history. At the time. At the time. <laughs> 1960s. <laughs> Oceans. Oceans 11. Ah. Yes. Guess which Las Vegas set film would go on to break Oceans 11 record? Oceans. Oceans 11's record. Oceans 11. Uh, I'm going to say Diamonds Are Forever. You are correct. It was beaten. By Oceans 11. Only... <laughs> Only one it's year later one, one year, year later, later So 72 By another film with connections to Las Vegas 1972 What film was it? Hmm. 1972 mm. So it's a 1972 film <clears throat> Had Ocean's 12 come out by then? Um, no <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, 1972 Not set purely in Vegas But connections to Vegas Um who starred in it? Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Um, 72. 72. Pacini. Mm. That would be... Serpico. Come on. Scarface. No. Godfather. Yes. Godfather. Oh, Godfather. Godfather. <laughs> hey, it's me. Hoo-ha, the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's how it goes. Of the 20 Rat Pack that films was made... That was branded. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, Al Pacino's yeah. not actually here. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not here. He's not here. Yeah. Of the 20 Rat Pack films made, only three have Las Vegas as a major film location. Hmm. Now, this is a bit of a tangent, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Why not? Yeah. There are three Rat Pack films with notable Bond alumni cameos. And they are Johnny Cool, which stars Telly Savalas as Vincenzo Centagello in 1963. Four for Texas, which stars Ursula Andress as Maxine Richter, also in 1963. And then we have The Cannonball Run. Mm. With Roger Moore. With Roger Moore as Seymour Goldfarb Jr. But really, as himself slash James Bond. James Bond, yeah. There's actually a moment in the film where apparently he signs up to the major race as Roger Moore. He signs his name, Roger Moore. And he is also seen driving an Aston Martin DB5. Yeah. I'm going to put it out there. I think the Cannonball Run is an unofficial Bond film and requires a screening for We're further investigation. Yeah, you're right. I always forget about Cannonball Run. 
the lead is Burt Reynolds, who was also considered for this for film. This for, for Diamonds this one as Are well. Forever. Yeah. He was considered Very to, true. to take over if for Diamonds Are Forever. There wow. They almost went it American. It all connects. Yeah. It's a family. It's a family. It's a family. Brandon said he has watched this film that many times and still can't tell where the fuck that oil rig is. Baha. <laughs> Sober Brandon knows best. <laughs> Didn't we say that in the podcast? No, I think There's Baha got a bit of a mention. Baha. <laughs> Darby said it's set in the ocean. Oh, oh yep. yes. Maha. So, according to movielocations.com, the oil rig used for the final climactic sequence was located off the coast of Southern California near Oceanside Route 5. Oh, what was that? Ocean? Oceanside. Ah, see. Uh, Route 5 between Los Angeles and San Diego. As for the fictitious location of the oil rig lair in the film, Bond is seen pacing across Willard White's large mapped glass floor, reciting a number of possible locations for Blofeld's final base of operations. When Bond mentions Baja, California, Willard says he doesn't have any assets in Baja. Baja? Despite the fact that I there don't is have a. Any assets in Baja. <laughs> That's right. Despite the fact that there is a giant oil rig marker left on the giant map on the floor. I should mention that Baja is not a city or an area of uh, the U.S. state of California. Baja? Baja, California is a Mexican state on the Baja Californian Peninsula, which borders the U.S. state of California. Baja. Which means (laughs) that the true filming location of the oil rig took place Mm. further north than where Blofeld's fictitious oil rig base was set. They lied to us. They lied. They lied. They lied. lied. In other news, instead of building their own oil rig, the production team hired a semi-portable one for $40,000 a day, customised it, and then towed it out to the location off the Southern California coast. And blew it up. (laughs) No wonder they didn't have any (laughs) No wonder why they ran out of money. Forty grand a day. They hired an oil rig. Crazy. That's insane. That's a lot of moolah. It was said that Desmond Llewellyn is perennially old. He never ages. How old was he in his first appearance? And how old was he in Diamonds? And how old was he when he passed away? Oh, yeah. Desmond Wilkinson Llewellyn was born on the 12th of September 1914 in Newport, Wales. He was 49 when When he was born. He was 49. (laughs) His poor mother. When he, (laughs) that's a big baby. (laughs) When he first appeared as Q in 1963's From Russia with Love, and he was 57 years old at the time Diamonds Are Forever hit cinemas. On the 19th of December 1999, Desmond passed away at the age of 85, barely a month after his final performance as Q in The World Is Not Enough premiered in Los Angeles. Desmond was a devoted father and husband, a World War II prisoner of war, and a James Bond institution who contributed so much to the films we hold so dear to us, and I think now's a good time for us to give thanks for all that Desmond Llewellyn gave us. Yes. We've got silence. Thank you. Thank you, Q. Thank you, Q. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Brandon, you were convinced that Uh that is Sean Connery himself performing your favourite stunt on that out elevator except for one shot where there's a guy with too much too hair. much hair that's right good memory good yeah. memory according to Las Vegas Review Journal in order to sneak into the White House penthouse Connery rode atop the exterior elevator at the landmark hotel 
Now, according to the book Above Them All, the story of the landmark hotel and casino, Howard Hughes, longtime friend of Cubby Broccoli and owner of the landmark, caught wind that the manager of the casino denied Cubby and his crew access to film there, and he sent a message directly to the manager. Quote, Tell Cubby he can shoot anywhere, anytime, in any of the hotels I own. With that, the landmark's exterior elevator shaft was used in that memorable Bond moment. Wow. Good on you, Howard. Look, I mean, I couldn't find any solid evidence that it is 100% him that does it the whole way. But listen, it's the 70s. Yeah. It's Vegas. And it's Connery. Mm. So I reckon you could bet your left cheek yeah. that it's Connery the whole <laughs> yeah. damn way. Mm. Uh, it's also because I find that the Blu-rays, particularly mm. on a bloody 4K television, yeah. you see so, so clearly mm-hmm. like when it's a stunt double yeah, and yeah, when it's, it's the actual It's pretty actor. obvious. Um, and it, it really looks like Connery. I think it is. I think so. Mm. I think so. When did the Dukes of Hazard series begin? We got to talking about this, and sort of in reference to Live and Let Die as well, but we I mentioned the so Smokey and the Bandit film came out in 77. Yeah. So, Dukes of Hazard, The TV series. Uh, I, I feel like Dukes of Hazard feels like a poor man's version of, like, Smokey and the Bandit. Right. So, I'm going to say 76, 77. Ooh. Not bad. The Dukes of Hazard TV series first aired on January 26th. 1979. Oh, 79, okay. And ran until 85. The series was inspired by the film Moonrunners, which was filmed in 73 but released in 75. So even with all of these classic American car-based and, dare I say, hillbilly shows and films... Whoa, whoa. The fact of the matter is, Bond did it first. Bond did do it first. Never forget that. Never forget that. And nobody does it better. Oh, quite so many oh, times very good oh. Oh, look out Brandon you said that there was a British actor who was offered the role of James Bond even signed on the dotted line pre-diamonds and then he makes an appearance in The Spy Who Loved Me mm. then they realised if they gave Connery a million bucks he'd come back and do the film so they paid the actor out of his contract I stand by it then you said fuck it you're drunk enough and wagered that the actor signed on to play Bond ended up coming back as the MacGuffin in Spy Who Yeah, Me. I think I used the word MacGuffin wrong there. Right. McGuff- MacGuffin's Maybe like I the inciting incident. MacGuffin's yeah, right. We'll yeah, fact yeah. check that when we get to we'll Spy Who <laughs> John Gavin is the name of the actor you were thinking of, Brandon, and you are correct in saying his contract was paid out in full. However, he was not British and he was not in The Spy Who Loved Me. Oh. Hmm. Oh, that's a shame. Burt Reynolds, Adam West, and Michael Gambon were approached for the role. Dumbledore! However, Gavin was set to be the new Bond, until United Artists' chief, David Picker, stepped in, claiming he wanted the box office assurance of Connery, and no expense was to be spared in acquiring Connery for this film. And so, Gavin was pushed aside. Gavin would have another shot at Bond when he was approached for the role again for Live and Let Die. However, according to Roger Moore's book, James Bond's Diary, it was Harry Saltzman who stepped in and insisted Bond be played by a British actor. And once again, Gavin was ousted for the very British Roger Moore. (laughs) A little something about Mr. Gavin here. 
What was he, American? John Gavin, very fascinating man. Born Juan Vincent Apoblasa Jr. and raised in 1930s LA. Gavin appeared as Julius Caesar in Kubrick's Spartacus and as Sam Loomis in Hitchcock's Psycho. He would take over from Charlton Heston to serve as the 17th president of the Screen Actors Guild and arguably his most impressive title... Gavin was appointed by President Reagan as the U.S. ambassador to Mexico from huh. 81 to 86. He had a good life. He I don't feel busy too man. bad for him now. Busy man. Busy man. Brandon, you wanted a fact check on whether or not you actually ever referred to the elevator stunt as a damn jump. You believed that those words were put in your mouth during the episode. <laughs> At 47 minutes, 46 seconds, Brandon said that, quote, there is a particular stunt in this film he thinks is awesome. It feels like something that Tom Cruise would do nowadays. End quote. I said, it's a damn jump. Brandon replies with, quote, it's a bit of a damn jump stunt, actually. Yeah, I mean, I give that in court. <laughs> Depends who your lawyer is. I had the qualifying statement of, uh, it's a bit of. Um, I'll see you in court. I'll see you in court. <laughs> You've been served. <laughs> Um, why was the Plenty O'Toole scene of her sneaking into Bond's hotel room cut from the film? It's a pretty crucial mm. scene, yeah. we mm. thought. I couldn't find any reason as to why a number of Lana's scenes were cut from the film, uh, which includes the arguably crucial scene of her taking Tiffany's address, uh, which leads to um, Plenty O'Toole's demise. But I did find this pretty terrifying story. Mm-hmm. While filming the scene of finding Plenty O'Toole drowned in Tiffany's swimming pool, Lana Wood actually had her feet loosely tied to a concrete block at the bottom of the pool. Yeah. Film crew members held a rope across the pool for her with which she could lift her face out of the water to breathe between takes. The But the pool's sloping bottom made this block of cement slip into deeper water each take. Eventually, Wood was submerged, but was noticed by onlookers and rescued before she actually drowned. Now, she was a certified diver, and she took on some water, but she remained calm during the ordeal, although she was quoted later as saying, uh, there were very uncomfortable moments and quite some struggling until they pulled me out. Gee, that is doubly harrowing, knowing how her sister died. Absolutely. Yeah, very strange. That is... How did her sister die? Natalie Wood. Her sister is Natalie Wood, who drowned off the back of a boat. Which, with another bond, there are a couple of weird connections to that. Yeah. Jill St. John, who plays um, uh, Tiffany Case in this, is now married to Robert Wagner, who was Natalie Natalie Wood's husband husband and was on the boat uh, when she died. Mm. And... uh, I mean, I think he's been found... I, I, I don't want to get into don't that, know. but um, the other person I who do. was on the boat... <laughs> the other person who was on the boat has another Bond connection. Mm. Now, he was the villain in 1985's A View to a Kill. It was Christopher Walken. Oh, was he? On the boat. Isn't that crazy? Um, that Lana Wood... And for Lana Wood to have nearly drowned yeah. on that film, it just goes to show how fucking lax all the security measures were it's crazy in those I've been days. even talking last episode about the camera guy losing his foot yeah you know, the chopper stuff you've got yeah. one of your Bond girls nearly drowning in the pool how was no one like okay straight with in with her yeah cut straight in get her out thanks yeah 
nowadays they've got divers and stuff with oxygen tanks floating around you and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. The final fact check today, gentlemen. Yeah. Darby. Oh. You remarked how playful Guy Hamilton is as a director and wondered if he was an influence for Edgar Wright. Hmm. Brandon said, Edgar's favourite Bond film is The Spy Who Loved Me. Hmm. I did say that? You did. Good. Although I found no direct quote from Edgar, unfortunately, making reference to or acknowledging the work of Guy Hamilton, Damn. I did find the answer to what his favourite Bond film is. I believe he tweeted it. A Death. quote... From an interview oh. with the LA Times after the recent passing of Roger Moore, Edgar was asked what his favourite Bond film was. And he said, Part of my brain is saying Goldfinger or Skyfall, but in reality, it's Live and Let Die. <gasps> really? Live and Let Die is my favourite Bond film, and The Spy Who Loved Me is a close second. Oh, both wow. of those films are genuinely memorable and great. Because yeah, and they're both. I, I remember because I follow him on Twitter. Mm. Um, Lewis Gilbert. Um, when Lewis Gilbert passed, um, mm. Edgar tweeted about how people should give the Spy Who Loved Me another watch. Mm, there you go. Which is funny. And little connection leading out of the uh, the fact check that the Spy Who Loved Me was the tenth. Bond film, Ooh. and today we are recording our 10th episode. Yeah, what a little milestone. 0010. There you go, fellas. Thank you very much. That was a I'll wonderful go. fact check. Pretty in-depth. I'll go a little less Rain Man next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's time now for, for my favourite segment, which is Preconceived Notions. Mmm... Darby, I'm going to start with you. What are your preconceived notions heading into Timothy Dalton's second and final film? Well, as to kill. I think, of, as I've said a few times since watching The, the Living Daylights, mm. it is my favourite Bond film so far. It is my new number one Bond film. Wow. So, with that in mind, I am very excited mm. to see what happens next for Dalton. Not only is The Living Daylights my favourite Bond film, but I feel like Dalton's my favourite Bond. Whoa! So I just, I'm ready to spend more time with him. I'm worried about vampire hair. Yeah, yeah, uh, the, the Dracula hair is the Dracula hair. silly. Um, it's only that, for, for a certain scene, though. It's sh- not the whole film. Oh, it's not the whole film. Yeah, okay, well, that's film. a relief. Yeah. Um, apart from that... The, the diehard late 80s action influence will be interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm cautious about the, uh, the over-serious tone. Mm-hmm. Um, but how can you follow up The Living Daylights, which seem to have such an intelligent um, production behind it, mm-hmm. such an intelligent actor playing Bond who knows what he wants to get out of the character. So with that in mind, surely... They graduate to something which is worthy, in my opinion. Might not be as good as The Living Daylights, mm-hmm. but it, it has to be worthy. So mm. that's probably where I sit, I think. And uh, John Glenn directing this one. And this John is, Glenn. This is John Glenn's final um, final film as director. Very good. He did The, the Living Daylights. He did as well. The Living Daylights. He did every film from For Your Eyes Only to License to Kill. He did every Bond film in the 80s. What a run. Wow. Yeah. He's uh, directed the most out of any. Any director. Okay. Mm. Is he Pigeon Boy? Yes. He is. He is. Yeah. <laughs> he is Pigeon is Boy. Is there pigeons yeah. in this one? 
Yep. Yeah. Oh, we got a little jungling yep. pigeon chat. <laughs> There's a jungling pigeon. <laughs> Um, I will say this is um, John Glenn in uh, recent interviews has said that this is the Bond film, his favorite of the ones that he directed. Yeah, okay. Because this is the well, he has a very kind of serious tone, doesn't yeah, he? John yeah, Glenn. I think he's so. kind of got that. That he voice. seems to be the most proud of this one. Yeah, right. Okay. Mm. Why don't they bring him back? I think he's too old now. Yeah, he's Bond twenty six. <laughs> Bond, yeah, Bond twenty six. <laughs> We'll just have a nice quiet scene. And a pigeon! Where Bond sits down <laughs> and feeds the, the birds. Uh, Mr. Jake Spear. Yes. You said earlier, fact check, mm-hmm. that you were on the fence about this. Mm. Why is that? I think this is going to be too serious for ah. me. I think... Look, I really loved The Living Daylights. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised with Dalton. I too am keen to spend a little bit more time with Dalton, and I thought he really got a nice balance of just making the one-liners his own and mm. like part of his part of Bond's general wit, as opposed to doing it for the audience sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I kind of appreciated that. Um, I think this is going to feel. I don't. I don't think this is going to feel like a Bond film. I think this is going to feel too American, too American cowboy. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and I think Dalton's going to be too Dalton. It's going to be too oh, really serious, angsty, angsty Bond. Yeah, yeah. Um, which look, I mean, I'm interested to see, but I don't think it's my cup of tea. All right. Um, I don't. I don't think of Dalton as the most stylish. I critiqued his hair. You did in the in in his last film. You did. So I I can't imagine it's going to get any better. Um, but I'm keen to see what the style of this film is like. The '80s is a very unusual time for style and fashion. I'm keen to see how Bond handles that. Particularly late '80s Miami. Mm, there's a, yeah, Miami is. Ugh, yeah, okay. It's, it's a loud city. Um, it's like it's not Magnum PI. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's James Bond. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm cautious. Cautious. All right. Well, my preconceived notions of this film are that. I remember as a kid not really liking it and mm. finding it really, really boring, dull. Dalton wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. I used to joke that he was Timothy Dalton. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> I was a I was a sharp kid. <laughs> All the ladies. <laughs> um, but uh, the more I watch it, uh, the more it grows on me. Yeah. I think you it's mean got the a Dalton. It grows on you. Oh, well. oh. uh, it. It's got a really underappreciated um, title title song, I think. Right. In my opinion. Um, Where does it sit for you, roughly? Uh, is it a middle middle of the I road, don't know. or is it? I don't know. Lower tier? Do you find it very memorable? Yes, yes, very memorable. In fact, I think Benicio del Toro is one of the most memorable oh. of the henchmen. Spoiler. Uh, I think Robert Darvey is probably one of the the top... No, Darvey, not <laughs> Darby. Uh, I think he's one of the best Bond villains, actually, in terms of um, his performance. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the thing that I don't like about this film uh, is there is a... There's a small chunk kind of midway through the film which involves 
like the Hong Kong police or something like that, or Hong Kong secret agents that I I don't really care for. It's very short. Um, but the two Bond girls are the the weak link for uh, this film for me. Okay. I think they're the least memorable and probably the worst actors. Uh-oh. From memory. From memory. Um, I don't know. I'm keen to see how this stacks up. Interesting. It's never been a top ten for me. Right. But it's never been it's never been at the bottom for me. It's, when was the last time you saw it? Sometime in twenty nineteen. And I remember enjoying it. Okay. I actually remember enjoying um how much Fleming there seems to be in it. Right. Because that seems to be Dalton's sort of MO, isn't it? Yeah. Bring take, back the take Fleming. it back to Fleming's version of the character. It's not yeah. Roger Moore's um, you know, kind of campy silly bond. Yeah. He wanted to bring that um, a man who kind of doesn't doesn't want to be a secret agent, mm. right? And kind I think, of reluctant hero. Well, yeah, I think he, whenever the call to action is there, he answers it. Mm. But um, he's not seeking it out, and I think there's it's his job. Yeah, and there's mm. a big part of Dalton that I not think, his vocation. Yeah, he he yeah. wants or is it vocation work. Vocation is work, yeah. Fact check. Yeah. <laughs> and not a vacation. <laughs> That's what you're thinking. Uh, there's there's a part of Dalton's Bond where I always I watch him particularly in this where you go, you want a happy ending. You want a nice life. You want a regular, quiet life. But you know you can never have that. Yeah. I got that from The Living Daylight. Yes. Yeah, yeah he was beautiful. In and film. that runs through Fleming's Bond so much. Mm. Okay. Um, I think it's very easy. A lot of people write this film off and they go, oh, it's just a late 80s ripoff. It looks like a TV movie. Blah, 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 blah. I don't think it does look like a TV movie. Um, I, think, I think it's actually got some amazing um, action sequences in it. The stunts are very impressive. And I think it might be Dalton's best performance. I think mm. it might actually be better than The Living Daylights. I can't remember. Wow. I'm looking forward to actually re-experiencing this. Interesting. It's cloudy in my mind. It's cloudier than any of the other Bonds are. That's for sure. Well, well to uh, wait and see. Well, gentlemen, I think it's time for us to pop in the Blu-ray... For 1989's License to Kill. Ooh, I don't know the song. (laughs) Well, gentlemen, we have just seen 1989's License to Kill. Yes, we have. A little uh, round of applause. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Straight off the bat, uh, let's see. What's the first word that comes to your mind, Jake? Loved it. And the that's two words, you idiots. (laughs) (laughs) Do I have two words? All right, you can have two words. Oh, he gets two words. Well, you because you've set the precedent. (laughs) Well, I was thinking two words. Mixed bag. Mixed bag. Yeah. I would say. Mixed bag. <laughs> How original. Yeah. yeah, it's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. Yeah. I really loved it. 
It's I really the, enjoyed it. I didn't. I had. Much. I feel no disdain for it. Mm-hmm. There are some little some some missteps. Sure, yeah, sure. You know, I agree with that. but they don't derail the film. No. They never. It's never where you go at the hour fifteen mark in Diamonds Are Forever. Here you go. Oh, oh no! Lord. You know, you yeah. always you're still kind of hoping that it gets itself back on track, and it always does get itself back on track. That's every, every time. That's the thing. It mm. does get itself back on track, but Jesus, those low points. Uh, you know, they're all. Yeah. Oh, they're are from, they that they're, bad? they're for me cringy bad. What are your actually. big ones? Yeah. Um, uh, Talisa Soda and her acting in the second uh, half yeah. of the film yeah. is yeah. just nonsense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the shoehorned sex scenes yes. are ridiculous. Yeah. This feels like a Bond film that shouldn't have had a romantic plot. Yeah. Because his drive is personal is, is to avenge the death of Felix and Della. Yeah. Mm. Well, not the death of Felix, but no. the death of Della yeah. and the maiming of What Felix. I will say about the kind of love arc though is it does put I was feeling a nice little button in the Felix Della story because of the way that Della asked the start suggested that he was going to get right. married next and you can see he has this personal kind of because of Tracy and then mm. at the end you do see that he's been on a journey where he Bond has kind of embraced love in a sense not that he ever doesn't yeah I, I see I just don't buy any romance between yeah. him and those two women like yeah. particularly when you've brought up Tracy and just in the Dalton film beforehand oh that was like, a great love story extraordinary romance yeah you know? I don't know. I think if you're going to do that whole like, oh, maybe it's time for me to settle down. Mm. I don't I, I don't know. I just kind of went, nah, get rid of that. Yeah. Mm. Fair enough. I don't want you to, you know, fall in love in this one. It's mm. one of the ones where I'm like, I'm fine with you not not bonking the main Bond girl. Mm. Uh, which is something I think they correct. Bonking. Yeah, bonking. Bond, <laughs> Bond king. Bond king. <laughs> um, which is something they do right in uh, Quantum of Solace, I think. Mm. Yeah, we've talked about that. Jake, you said loved it. You didn't say mixed bag. No, I didn't say mixed bag. You said loved it. Mm-hmm. And if I can refresh your memory from a couple of hours ago, Try. you said that... I, I don't think I'm putting Try. words... I don't think I'm putting words in your mouth. I think you said... I'm expecting this to be a bag of shit, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I and I won't like a single second. Of I it. think that's word for that word. word for word. <laughs> I think that's actually word for word. He cursed Dalton quite a lot. He too, did, for, yes. yeah, yeah, for ten minutes. Not just as an actor, but as a person. As a person. <laughs> so how do you feel now? I get sued. <laughs> Going back to you. I grossly misjudged this film in my mm-hmm. preconceived notions. You were gross, sure. Yeah. It was <laughs> disgusting. Yeah, appalling. I thought Dalton really nails Bond. Yeah, he does. He really <sighs> nails it. My preconceived notion came true. Yeah. He's my favorite Bond. Yeah. He's easily my favorite Bond. Yeah, by a by a country mile. Oh reckon? yeah! Wow! Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's definitely climbing the ladder for me. Yeah. I would say of the films that we've watched together. These first ten, mm. yeah, yeah. He's no, a big I like standout. him. Mm. He nails the level of intensity, the stakes. Like he handles the dialogue so well that you think that if a lesser actor would make it hammy, yeah, or yeah. or or wouldn't bring that kind of the the stakes that are required, where you kind of go, oh my god, there's a, a great white shark that just almost ripped his foot off when he was oh, in, infiltrating the great yeah, yeah. and and the look that he shoots back to Sharky 
The uh, the man. The man, yeah, not the shark. <laughs> not the shark. <laughs> is, it's so well placed. It's not over the top. And there's mm. so many little moments along the way that are like that, that he just... I don't know. He, mm. he nails it. He's really good with the with handling the one-liners too. It's like it's not, it's not drawing too much attention to it. It's a part of who he is. Mm. It's a part of it's it's a it's how he speaks, and it just so happens to be witty. Yeah, I was wrong with my preconceived notion, and I had not. I, I saw this film only a couple of months ago, mm. like in the second half of 2019. I think I said at the top of the show in the preconceived notions that I thought that the jokes kind of fell flat mm. and that he didn't hit them right. I think he nailed every single one of them that he had, except mm. yeah, the dead end for dead end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. dead end didn't work. Yeah. Nah, didn't need wasn't to be his, there. Wasn't didn't his fault. It was no. just a bad line. Yeah, it was a two. Like, you have to say it, Timothy. I don't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's standing right there. You have to say it. I don't want to say it. <laughs> I think we should jump straight into uh, discussing old Timmy. Yeah. Well, we've already begun. Yeah, yeah we have. We so have. you think he's your favourite? I bond. really do. There's just something about him. There's, I don't know, it mu- just must be my wiring. But um, I think it's his softness. I think it's his... Oh, okay. I think it's actually... It's not the, the cool... You know, he does that intensity, so well. The, yeah. He does the intensity so well. Mm. But I think the intensity is only so good because we've seen where he is at a base level. You oh, know, okay. you, you see him okay. climb. And I think that, and I, I, yeah, there's just a sort of charm and softness. And I really, I, he's the bond that I like the most as a man. Oh, you know, okay. yeah, I think that's how I would best sum it up. And, and terrific actor. Um, Brilliant actor. I think it's a crime that he didn't do more. I really do. I'm heartbroken. He certainly yeah. left us wanting. Yeah. yeah. That's for sure. I picture him in Goldeneye, you know, and I go, that's a damn fine movie with him in Goldeneye. Yep. Mm. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. Easy. 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 Said, well, it's funny because I think Brosnan's very good in Goldeneye. No, he's great. He's good. But I did say during the film that I could picture Dalton doing the Brosnan films yes I couldn't picture Brosnan doing the Dalton no films. no mm-hmm. that's a fact like Dalton could do Goldeneye and it's still a damn good film it's still Goldeneye yeah mm. um, in fact I dare say it may be more I don't think he could do Tomorrow Never Dies hmm. no Goldeneye's his last film isn't Goldeneye's it? his you're last. right yeah I think he could do... Oh, but he could have done The World Is Not Enough. Nah. He could have, I think. Because the romance stuff in that, I mm. think he might have sold a bit more. Okay. But I will say, Brosnan, I think, is quite good in The World Is Not Enough. Mm-hmm. I think that's his second best film. Wow. Okay. Jury's still out. So Jury's what, out. what happened? Why didn't he come back? You said... I think you mentioned before... Financial troubles. MGM. Legal troubles. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, MGM... The Broccoli's... There was all sorts of stuff going on to do with um, uh, the rights with the character. Because uh, was this around the time when Never Say Never Again, the guy that went off to do that, he was holding on the rights that. of the... Oh, he'd okay, already right, done that's that. already So happened. Never Say Never Again early came out, yeah, 83, same year as Octopussy. Ah, uh, right. Um, but there were legal troubles surrounding whether or not, you know... Who had the rights to James Bond? Could anyone make a Bond movie? Like, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, and it just... There, there also wasn't the money there. Mm. Like, the, the pure and simple fact is that, 
License to Kill. It is, looks expensive. It's hell. very oh. expensive, and it was kind of considered a box office flop. Oh, right. didn't make too much. Uh, yeah, I think it made its money back. Right. But comparably to everything else that was coming out that year, like you think about '89 and cinema. I mean, yeah. the the film that jumps out to me is a touchstone of blockbuster cinema, and that's Batman. Yeah. You've got Michael Keaton's, yeah. Tim Burton's Batman coming out that same Audience's year. Audience's tastes are changing a little bit. Tastes are changing. Mm-hmm. I think Lethal Weapon 2 comes out that year. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the films that are coming out are huge. So this and was kind of a... era-defining. Yeah. It was kind of a fight for relevance, unbeknownst to the Bond people at this time, yeah. wasn't it? Or, mm. or perhaps beknownst, but, actually. Yeah. Do you think Dalton... or? Is there any evidence to suggest that he knew it was his last go at Mm-mm. the time? No, he thought he was coming back. He thought he was coming back. In fact, they even went so far as to... Um, uh, I don't know if they finished the script, but there is a, a plot synopsis available online for the third Dalton film. That's right, I remember uh, mentioning it, that. And it was, um, it was to centre around uh, the transition of uh, Hong Kong from... Britain rule, uh, British rule to, to Chinese. Chinese, which happened around 96, 97, I think. Yeah, I think that sort of tenure um, ran out. And, and so their plan was to kind of deal with tensions within Hong Kong. It was a primarily Hong Kong set film. But there was also something that I think should never appear in a Bond film and definitely would not have gelled with the Dalton version of Bond, which is there was a pretty much a cyborg in the film. Terminator. There was a, right. Yes, yeah. and, uh, which is coming from Terminator. Judgment Day is what, yeah. 92, 93 or something? Ooh. 91. Oh, was it? Yeah, well, because this film should have come out in 91. Right. Um, but there was a They six... had done the first Terminator. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and, yeah, there was this female henchwoman who um, had, like, a robotic arm or something like that. So she wasn't an android. Cyborg. Did I say cyborg? Yeah, you said yeah. Cyborg. cyborg. That's what a cyborg is, isn't it? Isn't uh, a cyborg some, like part human, part... Um, would yeah. you... A- Android is a robot who looks human. Right. <laughs> yes. I can't believe we're talking we're about this on a Bond <laughs> podcast. Would you then class Teehee as a cyborg? No, because that's not robotic. He has to control it. It's attached to the sinews of his, um, of his arm and it's all mechanical, not, um, computerized. not computerized. It's not electronic. It's all manual gears, pulleys, and levers. Right. I would. S- going to get into the say, science yeah. of how Tee's arm works. <laughs> I wouldn't say that he is. A, yeah, I don't think he's a cyborg. Right. No. I think he's an amputee. And shame on you! <laughs> shame on you, you dirty devil! It's 2020. You should know better. <laughs> no, but I'm with you. I I think Dalton is fantastic in this film. Yeah, he really is. He's brilliant. He is. Even when the film slips, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. It just feels real. I don't know. There's some... Yeah. When he walks into Felix's office after the attack and Felix is yeah. in the body bag and he's got the tears in his eyes, he just just adds so much to the story. It's, like, it's heartbreaking. I got, you know, a, I got a bit choked up, yeah. actually. Whereas you think the unflappable Connery would have just bursted in there and gone, he expected to see that. I, I, yes. I expect to. I walk into the room and I know exactly what's around the corner. Isn't that funny that we have that impression of Connery? Yeah. It's not an impression I had of Connery before we went through these. 
I thought he was actually probably the best of the actors to play Bond. Mm. Right. Mm. But I think Dalton, in this original 20, I think mm. Dalton was the, the best actor yeah. of the lot. I think Connery's a damn fine actor, but... There's a beautiful pain, mm. I find, with Dalton's Bond. And I think you might have touched on it, Darbs, in the mm. preamble. Mm. Someone might have. About... Um, he wants a happy life. Were you oh, yeah, I Brandon? You were yes, saying that. Yeah. You I get think it. I said it. You get, maybe you did. <laughs> Our, I think we all said MI6 it. <laughs> expert, Darby Dead. Um, yeah, that he wants to retire. He wants to fall in love and, and have a normal sort of life, but he's so loyal or committed to the job or he's so dug in now. Mm, yeah. that it's like, no, this is my life. It's so traumatic. You think... <laughs> Time and time again, he's exposed himself to oh killing God, people yes. so brutally or, you know, the trauma that he's gone through. Um, I think Dalton really brings that sort of history of Bond into his portrayal. And you get a sense of, like, oh, you just want him to be happy. Mm. You do. You do just want <laughs> him but to you be know, happy. But you know he can never he be. He can never mm. be. Because, and I think that this is something that I love about this film, is what happens to Felix Leiter in it yeah in that does Felix actually die no no, no, no he's on the he's, phone in the he's, end he's, uh, yeah, he survives yeah. yeah he becomes an amputee Jake yeah Jake oh, but is he what? a cyborg now <laughs> they give him a peg leg is he a cyborg you insensitive <laughs> you, fool you dirty it. devil you're a dirty devil <laughs> and I'm gonna get you to say it again this episode <laughs> You're a dirty devil, Shakespeare. <laughs> You've got a vendetta against me from day one, Brandon McClellan. <laughs> um, You're in breach of your contract, and I'll see you in court. <laughs> but there's there's that beautiful thing of kind of Bond being reminded of the death of Tracy. Yes. He because I said to you that this film right. would be such. <laughs> I will have it on the record that he leapt at me just then. <laughs> There's hostility in the room, ladies and gentlemen. But I said to you, this film would be a must. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm listening. I'm a captive audience. I'm getting very I passionate. Be here for the very passionate. This film would be a better sequel to Honor Majesties mm. than Diamonds. Than Diamonds. You did say that. You did say that. You, did say that. <laughs> you fucking did say that. That's a lot of finger pointing. <laughs> That it would be that you get such a stronger visceral sense from Bond that he cares about what happened to Tracy and that he's kind of, yeah, what happens to Felix mm-hmm. um, and his wife stays in Felix. His wife's name is Della. Della. What Who happens? I think is an actress from uh, the sitcom Three's Company. Oh, is that why she was so loved in this movie? <laughs> what was that? About? <laughs> oh, yeah. everyone was having a smooch. Hey, let's come oh, and kiss the bride. Kiss the bride. That was that really weird. Weeks. Yeah. Right. Was that a thing in the 80s? I don't know. I don't think so. No. Let if you us lived, know. If you lived through the 80s, please let us Was know. Was it customary to kiss the bride like, on the lips in front of the groom? Yeah, and for an extended period of time. Yeah. They weren't quick. And pets. for the bride to peel off her garter. Yeah. And hand it to him. Yeah, as yeah, well. yeah. Strange. Yeah. Well, you said, isn't that for the husband? Well, the husband peels it off, but it does get thrown goes, get to thrown. the men, right. to the single men. I've caught the husband. That is creepy, and you're yeah. creepy, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> You've caught it twice. You've caught it twice. Well, you are the next one to be married of the three of us. Yes, mm. next in line. Mm. Hopefully, you don't end up like Felix. <laughs> Half eaten by a shark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god! It's kind of a strange <laughs> present, just as an aside. The garter, because it's something you can't really keep. 
Yeah, what do you do with it? You that? can't treasure it. No, you keep I it in a box. Remember where yeah. What if your wife finds it? Your yeah. partner. Ask questions. Well, my future wife was present at both. Have you kept the garters? I can't remember. Oh. I remember walking away from the wedding with them, but I don't know where they are now. Oh, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> but as I was saying, I think Dalton really carries what happens to those two and what yeah, happens just to Tracy. Like you carry those in garters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Drop it. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I think he's really good. Oh, yeah, that go. was, that's what we got that's to, to roundabout way of saying. saying yeah. I think he's good. <laughs> but no, he cares. There's more shit given about yeah. Tracy in this film than in Diamonds. Yeah. Because yeah. Diamonds, they were terrified of referencing a different actor, I think. Maybe. They were a bit insecure about it. And a it. film that didn't do as well as the Connerys had. Mm. I yeah. guess there was that as well. Um, it, it is funny the order in which we have drawn these films from the hat and the way they talk to each other. Mm. I wonder if you would have had that same feeling if we had watched this after another film yeah. separate of diamonds of, or of things. diamonds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because I agree with you. I mm. think this film. I think this film is the last one in the original twenty to kind of give a shit about Fleming and right. Fleming's creation of Bond because the Brosnans famously the Brosnans do not have uh, any titles that are that can be used from the Bond um, novels mm-hmm. uh, it's same with this actually Licence to Kill was the first one that had no reference to a a Bond novel but it kept previously the they were all named after either a short story or a Bond novel but it mm. kept that continuity mm. I think Goldeneye uh, owes a lot to Fleming in terms of its story and the, the, the name of it is Goldeneye was his personal um, Jamaican retreat but this really does feel like the last time where they they're really thinking about the Fleming essence yeah I mean when he is uh, coming out of the sheets in the bed and he's yeah. got the scars the same ones that Bond had in the novels it's it's just subtle nods like that yeah. mm. Bond having his you know constantly pulling out his cigarettes every time he's having a coffee or any time he has any downtime yeah. Bond is smoking in this film and that's the same as the Fleming Bond who would wow. go through two packs a day yeah 50 lucky stripes he would he would smoke every day in the same way that Fleming did um, no, I'm with you. I think I think Dalton is exceptional. Yeah. And a lesser actor will let this film down. Yeah. Yes, this Definitely film could have devolved. Film. Oh yeah. 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 There's there's almost too many things happening in this film. Yeah. There's a lot going on. They're scared of being too too simple. Mm. Mm. Whereas I think a simple narrative kind of it's the best would help this yeah. yeah and it really helps Bond we have said this quite a few times um, that the plot of these films yeah. uh, is not the most memorable part of these films no it's almost like you go along with them and you don't really I don't know the plots don't stand out it's funny because the, the, it's a weird relationship sometimes we're going on about how bad the plot was and how obvious it was and how like flawed di- it was or forever. whatever it might be but 
then there are times where we don't really pay too much attention to it and we love the film. Mm. Yeah. And yet the plot wasn't sort of, yeah, the primary focus of the film. It's interesting talking about, I think it got brought up last episode, how um, Maybourne with Diamonds sort of was commenting on how Live and Let Die's plot seemed to be too localised. Yeah, too personal. Too personal, too yeah. localised, wasn't global enough, wasn't dangerous enough or, or, or something yeah. like that. Yep, yep. I feel this film is very personal. Mm. And it's it, a Maybourne, which is funny enough. It's Maybourne with Michael G. Wilson. How ironic that there's no kind of diamond satellite. There's no global takeover. Mm. It's about a drug dealer in South America. It's you know geographically localized. You only move sort of in between South America and, and the southern United States. Yeah. Well, and I wonder how much of that is the Bond films reacting to what cinema is doing at that time. Mm. Yeah. Because there are elements of this. There's one shot in particular that makes me go, ah, yes, you've been watching other films, John Glenn. Mm -hmm. And that is when uh, Felix and the two DEA agents run away from the helicopter in in slow slow motion. motion. Yep. Mm. That moment I was like, ooh, that's not a Bond film. No, that's very American. (laughs) Very American. That's almost almost Michael Bay. I was going to say Bay. You know, it's very bad boys. Yeah, there's a lot of bad boys in that. Um, We should talk about it. The pre-title sequence. Yeah. Where Where does it rank for you? Well, I think first thing that came to mind was that it's basically the all one film. You know, the, the pre-title sequence and then the film proper all just flow into each other. Yeah, it's the same story. It's yeah. the same story, yeah. you know. It's the start of the wedding, we see the wedding, we get introduced to everyone, and then directly after the um, titles, we're into post-wedding ceremony. Mm. It's like, it's not a separate plot, it's not a another mission that Bond is on or anything mm. like that. I love the fact that Bond was at a wedding again. I thought that was kind of sweet. I thought there was... Never pre- ends well, though. <laughs> Never does. Never does. There's always a death. At, you don't want him at your wedding. No. I loved the stunts. I mean, we're going to talk a lot more about oh, them as we go yes. on. But that whole US Coast Guard chopper chase. Um, oh, man. Amazing. Mr. Nolan definitely yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dark Knight Rises. Little plane there. I was yeah. a little cold in the pre-title sequence. I got that feeling from you. Yeah, I think the... So we got him a rug. Yeah, yeah, I was better, much warmer. Yeah. He has a fever. I think the thing that was annoying me the most were yeah. the wedding tuxes. Oh, really? Oh, right. I think that was really frustrating. Didn't like it all me. playing out in the three-piece wedding. I didn't like wedding. it. No, it's... I thought it looked. It made it. It made what was already a sort of silly, bit silly, yeah, silly movie sequence. It really yeah. felt. It didn't feel like. It didn't feel organic. It felt. It's We're staged. doing a pre. It felt very staged, even in its kind of compositions. Yeah. You know, in the way that it, it treated its gags, whether a gag be a, an action piece or a joke. You know what yes. I mean? But yeah, it, yeah. It, the, the way, it, yeah. The, I remember, you know, the cars coming in and resting in frame, and everyone hopping out. It's all really kind of stagey, very mm, theatrical. Mm, mm. And then, yeah, just to top that silliness off with a stupid outfit. That's got. I didn't like the three piece suit either. I thought. It, oh, I you? thought Dalton looked kind. And of, the cravat. And is the, it a cravat? Yeah. What was that? That kind of folded yeah, yeah. yeah, scarf. It is a cravat. Two eighties, but essential to the plot, obviously, because as you said, the film then goes on to yeah. remain in that and so on and so forth. Mm. But yeah, I didn't really rank the, the yeah. titles. I think we were introduced to some bad acting 
pretty early on too. Some of, some of those DEA guys, and yes. even Felix himself was, well, fell victim to some pretty over-the-top American acting. Oh, yeah. but like almost 1940s style yeah, really acting. Like, hey, you go over there. All right, Bond, you stay here and I'll go over there. That I'll see you soon, chum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, you got to get yourself killed over there, Observer. Yeah. It's like... Okay, All right. you uh, yeah, you can fucking tone that down because you were much better in Live and Let Die. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know you got it in you, so yeah, uh, dial it pat down. it down. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Put a cap on it. Uh, no, I, I'm a little bit with you. Mm. I think that that pre-title sequence almost doesn't feel like a pre-title sequence. It kind of has all the beats of one in terms that it ends of, you know, on this amazing stunt and, you know, mm. kind of a cool moment for Bond as he, you know, parachutes into a wedding. <laughs> but it feels a bit unbond, and I can't put my finger on it. It Maybe feels, it's the American influence. It could be. It could mm. be. I think you're right, though, when you talk about that acting. That acting is shocking. Yeah. That DEA agent that keeps coming back, Ooh, that, that yeah. hands um, Bond over at Hemingway House, yeah. he is just horrible. Yeah, thumbs down. Thumbs down. He's in Die Hard, isn't he? Is he? I'm fairly sure that actor's in Die Hard. I think he's one of the... I think he's... Ah, he's something in Die Hard. The first he's, one? He's too familiar to me to not be in something. something huge. Could be Die Hard, could be Lethal Weapon, but I'm fairly sure it's Die Hard. Mm, yeah, okay. I can't remember where I know him from, but... But he seemed familiar. Yeah, he seemed familiar. Mm. Yeah, I'm with you. I Something about that pre-title sequence is off. And watching it today, I was like, oh, Bond isn't in charge Bond is taking a back seat for nearly all of this until the plane's done and then when he jumps in the chopper and it's the plane's done I'm like yeah Bond yeah that's Bond yeah why am I watching the B story yeah I don't want to see Felix do all this shit yeah and the incompetent fucking DEA agents that like they, they, no one's checking their six mm. they just that that fucking jeep comes out of nowhere starts firing on them mm. it's just a bit silly but I will say that the introduction of Sanchez is very effective when he comes in and he catches Talisa Soda whose name what is her actual character's name uh, it's like Juniper Jupi Jupi yeah it's Lupe 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 is it Lupus there was a C in there there was a C Coupe Mini Coupe um his introduction where he finds her... Could be Coupe. Uh, could be. Could I think it's Lupe. Lupe. Oh. Yeah, we'll look it up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I just know her as Talisa Soda for, for some reason, because that's a real name. That um, might be why. But that great line that he has where he goes, what did he promise you? His heart? His heart. Mm. Yeah. Give her his heart. Yeah. And then as he's flogging her on the bed, which is brutal, mm. you're hearing his screams oh. just outside screen. A lot of brutality in this, this film. Fucking, oh, this mm. is gruesome. This mm. is the most gruesome. Oh, yeah. I think this film may have been very close to getting an R rating. No, if not, it. it may have got one in the uh, in the United States. Yeah. Or an 18, whatever they I call it over it. there. R18, yeah. Uh, it's brutal. His introduction, I think, is fantastic. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the pre-data sequence leaves me cold. You know what else leaves me cold? What's that? 
Morris Binders. Oh, Morris. Ah, I've got some titles. real Morris fatigue. Yeah, it, I don't want to watch another one. They're so boring. <laughs> yeah. And none of that, none of that, I know you tried to justify it with the, you know, <laughs> heat-seeking missile, you the know, the stinger missile thing. Oh. Going, oh, that's yeah, why that's, that's why that's in the, in the title, title sequence. It's like Morris watches half the film or, like, scenes and goes, I got it. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. flicks through the script and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what's in the rushes? Show me. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. <laughs> what do you want? A couple of naked chicks? Sure. <laughs> you got it. But like, the, I, I don't like seeing the 007 constantly going across screen yeah, either. Yeah, like, like dotted lights. What are we in yeah. Vegas? Uh, it, it yeah, just, we it gone just, past the science. There was no Vegas. consistency in theme. It was like one minute there's like gold and blue people jumping across, and then the next minute there's some weird, crazy red screen, some shocking photo like of a woman holding a plate of glass or what's supposed then to be the a photo and then the photo's moving oh, it's like, the like, poker chip what's that it's like yeah, why is there a woman po- appearing on the, yeah, poker, on the chip? poker chip he barely gambles in this there's a quick like two minute half a minute scene yeah, where he's like at, playing at a casino. bit of blackjack yeah. but like and and the focus of using that Hong Kong agent in the title sequence so much yeah it's like these pr- Kodak printouts of her yeah like Polaroid and like sort she's of dancing in this like boob tube and she's in it know. for all of half a scene yeah. I know like split seconds Morris not even secondary tertiary character not a fan I'm not a fan no a fan. but I will say this I actually really dug the song mm. yeah the song's really good yeah very 80s but ooh, yeah good sound it, it is very 80s yeah, but I it's like still it. got Bond essence. Yeah, it does. Yeah, the music was excellent. In fact, that she actually got sued for that song. What? By the writers of Goldfinger. What? There was a lawsuit claiming that that bow bow at the top of oh License to God. Kill. They're like that's from Goldfinger, which it is. They did purposely uh, purposefully reference that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they got there was like this lawsuit. I'm fairly sure it got dropped or it was settled out of court. But isn't that funny that far mm. out? Shirley Bassey was, I think, pretty had a lot of that in her. Like when they she was meant to do the theme for Thunderball, and she did a version of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. And the producers went, Nah, she's not up to snuff here. Um, and so they cut it and brought in someone else to do. Uh, kiss kiss bang bang she got word of that and threatened to sue the production if they didn't use her version so they went well we won't use anyone's version we'll get Tom Jones in how about that Shirley Bassey yeah so there was a bit of litigious stuff there I love that song yeah I think it's an underrated gem in the in the franchise yeah it got me in the mood Gladys was touring Australia quite recently was that Gladys performing? That was Gladys Knight. Oh my god, I didn't realise. Yeah, that was Gladys Knight. Ah. Crazy. I wish we met her when she was here. Yes, I would have loved to have seen her. Although, I will say, I only know one of her songs. You go, go for one song and that's it. I know she's a big deal, but... Two licenses to kill! Yeah. Two licenses to kill! <laughs> it's the same as AHA recently just did a gig in Sydney. They right. just did... There. Aha! <laughs> um, and apparently their closing number is the Living Daylights. Ah, oh. but they can have that. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm they not not paying any money for that. that. Don't care for that song. Yeah. You hear that? Aha! <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, they do. They, they subscribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they subscribe. Oh, I know they subscribe. <laughs> what else yeah. have they got to I, do? I, I think the theme song deserved uh, a, a, a better title sequence. Yeah, me too. Oh, me too. Lifted the yeah. I wonder... I've always wondered this. In the 80s, mm. why they didn't get someone else to do those title sequences. What were title sequences doing at the time? Maybe oh, I they think, were kind of out of vogue. Yeah, they, that's probably why they stuck with him. Yeah, it's like, well, we've got to have one. And, and no... maybe back then the titillation of like seeing side boob was enough. <laughs> <laughs> because that feels like that's the only feature of the Maurice Binder. Yeah, line. that one in particular boob. was like, whoa, this is really yeah, full it's on. Just, it's just na- a naked woman. Yeah. It's like oh, I... sometimes it's not even silhouetted. No, no, it's just this, blatant. This you could see her areolas. <laughs> <laughs> you could see them. You could see them. Yes, yes, you could. <laughs> and if we can see it on Blu-ray, then for goodness' sake, if it's projected on a ten-foot screen, you're seeing it in the cinema. If you're seeing it on Blu-ray, you're seeing it on film projection. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, I don't know. It's a little bit. Lazy. It's something that I'm glad we've kind of we've put behind us mm. that we don't need that anymore mm. I think the Daniel Kleinman uh, way of doing it is much better mm. far you know, more interesting completely silhouetted women brilliant so he kind of pioneered this idea of a um, a 3D space didn't he yeah yeah mm. he was the first one mm. he was the first one to do it Kleinman yeah you think well, about the binder Morris ones and they're happening on a flat, flat yeah. and then yeah Kleinman gets But I guess he's limited by technology. He is. Yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, look at what Saul Bass was doing back in the day. I'm not going to let him off the hook that easily. He's also using filmed images that feel flat. So Mm. he shot that in a 3D space. It's not like he's overlaying, you know, dead slides. You know what I mean? It's not just poker chips and poker tables. Mm. He's got real women. Yeah. Doing these things, he's got guns coming in, shooting smoke and that. But it's always happening on this two D plane. Yeah, yeah it, one axis, one yeah. axis. Yeah. yeah. Whereas with Goldfinger, Gold. oh, you can. There's depth. Yes. There. There's lots of stuff going on with the yeah. shadows and the light and. Same a... with From Russia with Love, which yeah. we haven't seen yet. No. Hopefully, we don't watch tonight. <laughs> By the way, we should let you know we're doing a double feature today. Oh. So after this, we're going to be watching the very next film that we draw out of the hat. It's so, a double O day. It's a double O day. Um, locations in this film. You had a problem, Jake, with mm. Isthmus. Did I? Yeah, you were like, why is it a fake city? Well, <laughs> yeah, I said it with that, yeah. that level of lisp. Yeah, wisp. Uh, <laughs> did you say lisp? I said lisp. How dare you? <laughs> How no, I did. dare I mean, you? Why make a fake city? Why couldn't it just be... I think the reason they've done that... Was it political? Was is it... because the president of this country... Oh, appears to is, be... Is on the payroll of, of a, a drug lord. Drug lord. Well, and you don't want to be insinuating that the Mexican president... Yeah, true. Particularly Even though when, he is. Yeah, <laughs> particularly when you're filming in Mexico. In Mexico. Mm. Yeah, I can see why You don't why want to cause those pro- problems. Be... Yeah. yeah. I would say that's the only reason that they've done that. But, funnily enough... I did say this in the Live and Let Die episode. There are multiple um, ties between Live and Let Die and this film. In that Live and Let Die is, to my knowledge, the only other film uh, in the original 20 that has a fake country, the country of San Monique. Yes. 
Isthmus City and this. They both feature drug kingpins. Yes. They both have the same actor playing Felix Leiter. Ooh. And there are some Fleming references to Live and Let Die um, in this film. When uh, Bond pulls out that sheet of paper and he says, it says uh, he disagreed with something that ate him. That's from the novel of Live and Let Die. Right. Which is actually finds. the novel where Felix loses the leg. Where is he that loses right? his leg, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the moment we see in License to Kill. Kill actually takes place, or a version of it originally took place in the novel, in the novel of Live yeah. and Let Die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What does that tell us? I don't know. I don't know. Why not uh, put the, that in Live and Let Die? Why put it there? Maybe it was a bit much in 71. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's probably a bridge too far for the censors back then as well. Because they only just shark? cleared the censors with this film. Right. This was a really controversial but film. Look, I mean, Milton Crest's... Livia Sky has the guy that blows up, though. I know, <laughs> but it's so stupid. <laughs> that, that Which it, is, you know, the, another villain death in this is similar. He gets yes, blown up. But I think much better. Oh, oh God, God, yeah. It's very... Oh, it's he doesn't make the sounds of a helium balloon. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he buzzes around the lair. Now, Jake, before we went into this, your preconceived notion was that you were going to hate it because it was set in America. Yes, I keep saying that. And did that hold true for you? No. Really? You don't reckon? Think. Hang on. What was the question? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) You don't drink. (laughs) Did you... Did you... uh, You didn't want it to be set in America, or you were... No, I thought it would be classless. It wasn't. You've said, you have said on the record (laughs) that American people are are tasteless Philistines. Excuse me. Take it out of context again. How many lawsuits do you want? I'll tell you. Bring them on, baby. (laughs) You want a piece of me? I, yes, I remember saying something along the lines of, I've got a problem with Bond being set in America. That's exactly what you said. And there's quite a lot of Bonds, as I'm learning, that are set in America. It's a shame. I think it is a shame. Mm. But... It didn't bother me as much this time round. I think it did bother me. Why? Did Why? it? Go the, hard. Go hard, son. <laughs> <laughs> the locations were really stale. Don't, didn't you feel? I don't know. Aside from hmm, Hemingway House was pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. The facility at the end was really cool. I love Milton Crest's aquarium lab, actually. Oh, yes. 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 That was... Someone did say it did remind them of Ace Ventura. Oh, I though. said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it it's just really a, does. The exti- I don't know. It just doesn't feel very... like. For example, when he's, when he's in the climax, where they're racing those trucks around mm-hmm. through the rocky, hilly desert. Yeah. Of Isthmus. On yes. isn't it? Funny years. It just Mexico. It didn't feel like a James Bond location to me. That what was happening in the scene it was very Bondian. Very Bondian. Yeah. yeah. The location itself, it just I felt like yeah. I know what you mean. Because that was America. Wherever feels... they shot that, that was in America. That wasn't yeah. Mexico. Yeah. You can. It feels classless, doesn't it? Mm. Well, it just feels non-specific. Well, I'll say it. <laughs> yeah, non-specific. No, but, but, but just that... non-specific of like. Yeah. I think that's why the American thing didn't bother me very much because it wasn't explicitly America. Right. Mm. You know, it's like, hey, here's America. It's like, okay, well, 
vaguely we're moving between Florida and Key West and and maybe somewhere in the, in the Caribbean or South America, Mexico. Yeah. We don't really know exactly where we are. It's not a postcard or a travel log bond where you go, how beautiful is Prague, Geneva, yes. mm, you yeah. know, Switzerland, uh, wherever. Yeah, it's all nondescript. Even hey, Hemingway they, House, I wouldn't be able to tell where you where we were. Yeah. There aren't many establishing shots, are there? No. We just kind of enter locations. Mm. I feel like this was more of a character-driven Bond film as opposed to the exhibitionist travel log spectacle. I wonder if that... Because I did kind of poo-poo the argument that this is a bit TV movie. Mm. I wonder when people, if when people say that, yep. they're kind of alluding to the fact that this film feels mostly done in a mid to close I tell you where I felt it where where he go where he first goes into Felix's house for the first time after the murder oh and the whole murder 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 and it's all handheld you know he opens up the doors and he goes in and there's handheld and the camera's sort of following Bond and he's looking around and it doesn't sort of calm down until he finds um Felix Felix's wife on the bed Della yeah and there was a moment there where I looked at that and I've gone, this doesn't feel like a Bond film. This feels like an episode of Magnum P.I. or a Hallmark movie. Oh. See, the camera didn't do that for me. The the house did that for me. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, think, I, I quite liked the fact that it was a bit... Um, that the camera was more fluid and a bit frantic right. and didn't feel... Because Bond himself is so unsettled. Yes. This is such a moment of like... My, sheer yeah. terror and panic for him my ears did prick up to that comment you said in the preamble mm-hmm. and so I was looking for it Yeah, and I came away empty handed in terms of evidence for a TV yeah movie. it's not TV movie it's not TV yeah. I think where my head went was like action movies changed in the late 80s mm. and the style of cinematography or what the elements people started to look at changed yeah. you know you think about um, what's an example? Die Hard? I think Terminator maybe is the better example because mm. it started to embrace that gritty concrete. You, I mean, you made that mention of the the, the rough, uneven concrete as oh, well. It's yes, like yeah. that sort of... That, that's that new, the, the lighting style started to change. They weren't lighting motivational anymore in action movies they started to do stylized mm, lighting atmospheric atmospheric lighting which oh, I got a yeah. sense of yeah. so Actually, I think yeah. in that radar plane too you know that the, the guys that were kind of tracking something at the very beginning of the oh, film and then red, at the back, red at the back green, green at the, the front the, across yeah, the face yeah. 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 It's, it's you know I think what audiences expected out of a high budget Bond movie mm. perhaps it started to change which is why when they were met with what is actually quite a conventionally shot Bond film. Yeah. Um, with a lot of the same styles and tropes. Maybe that they went, Hang on. why are we still here? It's a bit left know. behind. It's a bit left behind. Whereas it isn't. Yeah. It isn't. It's actually not. But in 18, 1989, maybe it was. Yeah, I wonder. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I Definitely in de- 1989. Yeah. I definitely got it. Uh, I got a big lethal weapon vibe from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kept thinking of the scene where Riggs is on top of the... He's on the rooftop and he's got the gun to his head and he's like, go on, do it, do it, do it, do it, shoot me. And he's going all crazy. And I was like, oh yeah, that that film feels shot... It's it shot very similarly to how this is shot. Well, let, I've got a better example of that cinematography. You've oh, mentioned yes. it before. Yeah. Batman. Think about what audiences' oh. eyes were 
experiencing experiencing theirs. with that whole Batman effect, that yeah. change in the what we can actually manufacture for you. You know, it's like we can give you an aesthetic that is like this. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Would you say because uh, they came out at the same time, so mm. they were? I would say Batman's got more of a distinct kind of. I don't know, feel visually than this, though, wouldn't you say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, oh, that's, oh, that's oh I get you. Oh, sorry. That's why I, people as a, I thought you were saying that no, it was no, like no, this. No, I no. was like, man, I would love to see a <laughs> Tim Burton Bond film. <laughs> yeah, That'd be yeah. not so shit. Yeah, <laughs> no, but in the sense that that was kind of new oh, in, in what audiences were seeing. Because even Superman, if, you know... Oh, the Donner ones. Yeah. so conventionally put together. Yeah. You know? But Batman, they went down a different aesthetic mm. route. And mm. Blade Runner and... You know, all those things. Alien. Oh, man. What a great There's time a lot for of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on. I mean, on. the Indiana Jones films. I think this actually... This may have come out the same year as The Last Crusade. Really? 89? Was that The Last Crusade? We've already talked about the Indies. Because Temple of Doom was like 85. I think it was. Yeah, I think maybe. Last Crusade was 89. Yeah, right. Maybe it was a bit later. We'll fact check that. We'll see you next episode for that. Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, I I think you're right. The locations don't... I didn't see any of the locations and go, we should book a trip. Mm. No. They served the film enough, though. They've kind of got... Because we're dealing with a drug dealer, it's my... You know, maybe it's a preconceived notion about drug dealers, but they're probably not the most uh, tasteful of uh, designers. Yeah, sure. Uh, and I think it's to do with the story it's more scope than it. too. It's like, right, well, because it's a localised story, it's about one drug organisation run out of a pocket of the world, the locations are more like there's the warehouse, mm. there's his casino, there's, you know... His gaudy house. With yeah, a, yeah, yeah, exactly, the gaudy house or the... The winking the, fish. Yeah, with the winking fish. <laughs> As opposed to stunning global locations, you know, yeah. things like that. It's like it's more about the individual buildings that play a key role mm. in this story it's like yeah the warehouse the casino the hotel the bar you know as opposed to an entire city or something do you think that the gadgets scratched your itch and do you think follow up question the gadgets that are in there do you think they're needed oh that's a leading question I know where you're going with yeah, that yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll say it I don't think they're needed yeah I've never look. I don't think Q. Needs I don't. To I don't watch Bond film. for the gadgets. I, wa- yeah. I do love Q, so which is why I abide by the gadgets mm-hmm. because I'll, I'll sit through them to get to Q. But yeah, you're right. I mean, they there's... just they don't sit well for me. Well, they sit fine for me actually, uh, but they don't sit well in terms of what Dalton's doing. Where I'm yeah. like, this is a man. Did the did the plastic explosive need to be in a fucking toothpaste container? Could it not just have been plastic explosive? Mm-hmm. Like, at what point... Why did that gun need to be doubling as a camera? At no point does he ever trick anyone into thinking that it's a that camera. That really annoyed me. Like, he he just gets that gun up on the fucking rooftop. And it's like, got, it looks like a gun. Yeah, it's a gun. Yeah, no one's opening that case and going, Oh yeah, stills photographer, huh? With a scope. Like, you're going, You're an assassin! <laughs> I yeah, I like the palm the palm print yes, reader. reader yeah. Yeah. Um, and without it, we probably don't have it in Skyfall for sure. Um, 
But it could have just been a gun. It could have just been a gun. With a palm reader. And you still get that gag with the ninja going, why isn't the gun working? Yes. Because it's a palm reader. Yeah. And... He oh. he needed, <laughs> and he needed the plastic explosives because he said, "I'm going to need a cannon to get through that bulletproof glass." Yeah. So he still needed it, but yeah, it doesn't didn't have to be, to be in a toothpaste tube. with a with a cigarette with a cigarette shape. Yes. Yeah. See that gadget? Actually, I was like, okay, I'll abide that because you would keep cigarettes, and maybe he would have got checked at um, mm. when he went inside to talk to what's he? Maybe he would have been checked with... Well, his cigarettes have uh, green and red lights in the filters. Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> E-cigarettes. What's that wire? <laughs> what's that wire coming out of there and going down your arm? Oh, I'll forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I'll give you that. I'll give you but, that. But no, no, no. Come on, Jake. You're our resident yeah, gadget. You're our gadget, gadget guy. Gadget geek. Gadgetophile. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like the plastic explosive... We seem to have hurt you, yeah. hurt you a little bit. You seem down. You seem down. <laughs> like I've, Did you well, really like, like a plastic crush? You know what? I'll be honest. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'll be honest. Please be honest. I'm, I'm feeling down because I think you're right. Um, I don't know whether they need to be there, um, and I don't know whether they need sorry. to be. And as a follow up, I'll lead you again into another question here. Oh no. <laughs> Does Q yes, he does. Really <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Why? Why does it need to be a seventy-something-year-old man if not to because give? Because Sharky got killed. Also, why does he have that Polaroid with the laser that shoots X-ray photos? Why is that there? Because why did he bring that? Because it's a funny moment. Yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> it's not for me. It's too much. I love Q. I love yeah. Desmond Llewellyn. Yeah. He doesn't need to be in this film. And it's it's that stuff where I'm enjoying every second that he's on screen, but it's also that stuff that takes me out of what is up to that point a really interesting back to basics revenge story. Yeah. Starring James Bond. Do you think that he provides a, a moment of levity to take the accelerator off a little bit? Yeah. He does, and I don't like that. Right, you just want to keep on going. See, I, I think I might have got a little bit exhausted if it was just yeah. Dalton gunning it the whole way. But I think, I don't know if you get that exhausted if you cut that stuff and you cut the pointless romance stuff. Mm. I think this is probably... this Respect this film, the reality. Yeah, this is a film that could have been an hour and a half to an hour 40 and not felt... I think if you get rid of Q, right, and you still want the levity, have it in moments like where where Bond and Sanchez, where Bond is trying to convince Sanchez that he's on his side, and we see them kind of buddy up. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that scene where Sanchez serves Bond coffee, and they're sitting out on that you know, you know massive balcony. Have your levity there. Mm. Have a nice moment where they're in. It seems as if Sanchez is enjoying Bond's company. Mm. Let me see the infiltration of this a bit more. Mm. Rather than two women fighting over Bond, who really yeah, would not be that in love with him. No. Like, is he that good a shagger? Like, no, not enough for you to turn around and go, <laughs> I love James Bond. <laughs> yeah, I love, Where him. I love James Bond. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't she say I just love him so much yeah, yeah. I just love him, him so I love much. him so much that's that's. <laughs> oh hi Mark 
<laughs> yeah, that was ridiculous. Look, no, defend it, defend it. I want a counterpoint to this because you really loved Q and you. I love Q, and I loved him walking into the bedroom and testing out the springs on the bed to kind of figure out what bed he wants to get in. Yeah, brilliant moment. I uh, look. I think that. Uh, I've got to pick the lesser of two evils. Oh, okay. And I think the greater evil is a Bond film without Q in it. Do you think? Because I would well, say... Well, this Bond film... I would say though. that the best Bond film in the franchise doesn't have Q in it. Mm. Name it's it. Casino Royale. But it didn't come out in 1989. It didn't. But there is another Bond film that doesn't have Q in it. Mm. Doctor No. Doctor No. And there's one other where Desmond Llewellyn doesn't make an appearance. Oh, yeah. What was that one again? No, it's the one just after he passed away, wasn't it? No, no. No, no, they put police straight in. I believe it's a Roger Moore. I think there's a Roger Moore where where he doesn't make an appearance. But his scenes were so lovely that it's like... His scenes are so lovely. But I see what you mean about derailing the grander Yeah, it feels like box ticking. It's where this film falls apart for me is where they go, oh, well, Bond's got to sleep with the girl. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Not oh, in this he needs one. to have Q. Yeah, no, he no, doesn't. No. That when we mm. cut to Money it's Penny, like who gives a shit? Yeah, that scene was pointless. Uh, pointless. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't a- even M remember what they were talking it. about. But M, but M-, M- was being in it. Although Fine. even that, I'm like, you travelled all the way to America to just sh- to tell Bond to come home at Hemingway House. At Hemingway House, why? Yeah. Could that not have been the station chief over there? Maybe he was there for other business, who knows? Yeah, who knows? They don't explain it, though. No. Sorry, I've gone a bit hard there. I've gone well, a bit hard. Yeah, yeah, Because I'm yeah. loving, I'm loving this film, aside from these little moments where it feels like they're trying to retcon little the Bond... discretions. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the, they're trying to retcon the Bond elements into uh, what is otherwise a really intriguing... Story. Mm. Mm. I mean, I think you've hit the nail on that. Q. Yeah. Yes, that's why I'm so sad. Mm. Um, <laughs> Q is basically the fulfilling the role of the ally contact, isn't it? <clears throat> he, really? Yeah, he like, is actually. It's like right. they can't. They shouldn't have killed Sharky. You know, and had him drive the pilot ship, and mm. have him help them infiltrate it him be the driver you know whereas it's like yeah as you say you've got a 70 year old Welsh guy that's flown <laughs> over from the UK to give him some toys and hang around yeah. and well, drive get, him to things how do you get him through customs anyway, I'll yeah, anyway. No, I'm not going through that again no, it was a private plane it was a private MI6 plane um, yeah look I mean I see your point as much as I love Q and I love the moments that he's there. Look, I even had a good old chuckle to the X-ray Polaroid. I'm going to say it. But <laughs> I did. Should it? Should it have been there? Probably not. Did we need it? No, we didn't need it. <laughs> should Q be in the film, and should he be played by somebody else? Maybe you're right. But is it a played posi- by somebody it's else? It's a positive for you, though. It's a reprieve for you. Yeah, so I. It's a tick for you. That gives it an up. Well, yeah, I guess that would probably be my rebuttal, if anything, yeah. is that I feel I would get exhausted if there wasn't some kind of deviation from the plot where we take our foot off the accelerator just for a little bit, just to have a quick chuckle at some quirky little cue moment, and then, all right, now we're back into chasing the bad guy. I think it kind of. 
you put the pot on the boil for a bit, you take it off. You put the pot on the boil for a bit, you take it off. And I yeah. think that is kind of what's going on chemically. Alright. Uh, it's a good argument. It's it a is good a good argument. argument. I respect it. Yeah, I respect it. I'm not convinced by it. Sure. <laughs> I respect it. I think where we're lying is, no, it doesn't need to happen, but we're glad that it did because it's cute. But really looking at it, could do without it. I'm... Look. Mm. Let's <laughs> see. All right, just further right. complicated. Let's get a copy Here's of the film. Here's me trying to summarise. Let's, let's recut the film and see what it looks like without, without you in it. Well, no, that wouldn't make any sense. Well, see, I think they it doesn't make any sense without Q in it. See, because my the point. way they've written him into it... He's so plot tied. so... Yeah, but mm. it just makes the plot heave mm. with the weight. Um, well, Darby's already summarised, so you can shush now. One thing, one thing I will say that this film has going for it more than most of the films we've seen are the stunts oh yes these are some extraordinary oh man that's a shaken 10 for the stunts oh the uh favourite stunt I think we should go around my favourite stunt yeah is uh the um harpooning of the the biplane oh yeah is it a biplane no it's not a biplane it's It's just a seaplane seaplane uh harpooning the seaplane Jet skiing behind it, barefoot, yep. and then getting inside, taking control, and flying off with millions of dollars. That's an amazing sequence. Yeah. You do it for real. You do it for real? Absolutely. Yeah. I think... It's tough. I liked the semi-trailer up on... Not two wheels, more mm. like eight. Six wheels. Yeah. <laughs> up on its side. The, the wheelie. The, the truck the, wheelie. The, the truck oh, no, wheelie. not the truck wheelie. Not the, the truck, truck wheelie. The, the tilt. Truck. Oh, oh. The yes, a la yes. um, Diamonds Are Forever. Yes. With the truck. Very mm. true. Um, uh, probably wouldn't be my favourite stunt. I think my favourite stunt is actually... It was one shot where I was truly gobsmacked. And that was when they were running... When all the people were running away from the exploding... Uh, religious retreat oh, yes. lab and you see the big explosions in the background all these terrified extras just running towards the camera that was probably my biggest wow stunt Ooh. moment even though it's not a you know a stunt per se yeah, it's more yeah. of an explosion but yeah, yeah. I really loved that I thought that yeah and also the shots of the trucks blowing and Dalton running away from the exploding truck yeah that was pretty that was cool beautiful. that was pretty cool Sanchez on that yes yeah. yeah it was full of them chock full of them oh, yeah gorgeous Favourite for you, Jack? Man, there are so many. Yeah. There are so, so many. Um, can't remember a single one. I can't remember <laughs> a single one, so just vamp. Vamp, keep vamping. Um, well, one includes your gadgets. Did you like ninjas attacking Bond? No, no, okay. that was a bit weird. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is dumb, that one. Yeah, I don't know whether they needed to do that. Um... Look, I mean, that whole final truck sequence is just insane. It builds so well. It really does. And there's multiple, like, it kind of just keeps topping itself. Mm, You sort of think, oh, that's going to be the peak stunt. And then it keeps going and it gets topped again. Yeah. I mean, the fact... Oh, man. The plane that's flying around this whole kind of truck chase and and him getting dropped on the the top of the um, container truck and... I don't know how they didn't have like serious injuries or fatalities in this because this, I mean, planes. There's that. I, I don't know whether we've seen that many planes outside of, I guess, the helicopter Nelly fight. The amount of aircraft that's sort of. Oh yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. Sort of in terms of aircraft, in terms of numbers, 
But the amount, the amount of use, plain work, plain work, you know, it's a lot in the living planes getting as well. taken off and, and, and landing, and the, yeah, the seaplane stuff, mm. um, a lot. There's a lot. I mean, look, I was even impressed with the um, prisoner transport van at the start going off the um, bridge oh, yes. and the divers oh, yeah. coming in and, and that whole little moment there. I thought that was bit quite of Mission good. Impossible. Yeah, nod yeah. there. Nod, yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong with the. Um, um, Oh, yeah, we talked about it at the start, the uh, hooking the plane. Let's go fishing. Yeah, let's go fishing. I mean, <sighs> how do you do that? How do, how do you do that? It's insane. I don't know. Uh, amazing. So many. So yeah. many incredible stunts. Yeah. Uh, the one stunt, though, that I think is uh, shocking yeah. and should be cut from the film yeah. is the bar fight. Barfight just drags oh, it was on. Really naff, wasn't it's it? Oh. Really naff. It feels like every time I watch it, it feels like it should be in the movie Airplane. Yeah, the way yeah, it's it feels edited, like a parody fight. It feels like yeah, it feels like a parody. And like bar fights, you shouldn't. Why is she still dancing? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to oh. say. Why is she still dancing in the midst of all like, this? Like that makes me go, oh, that's it's a comedy. That's I mean, think, Airplane. Think about the bar fight in Shane. Which is thirty-five years oh. its senior. Yes. yes, you know, and it's like, how could you not get this right? Yeah, when yeah. they got it right thirty-five years ago, doing it in old westerns. It's like doing it. That's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. It it's feels, not a hard thing to do. Brutal. It feels a little else in this film so brutal. A little like they may, may have run out of time. Maybe a bit slapped together. Yeah, it feels a bit slapped together. Mm. It also feels like it's trying to, it's trying to do this like dark dingy, grungy kind of rough-and-tumble bar fight. It still comes across as really colourful. Yeah, but it's like, oh, mm. you tried to do Roadhouse, but yeah. somehow you made it lamer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the edges are a bit soft. You know? Yeah. It's, bit, it's cuddly, a bit fluffy. Yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't... Especially when there's been so much care taken to all the all the other stunt work leading up to this. Everything. Yeah. They're not landing the punches, they're, you know, they're not selling those hits as much. The brutality is lost for a, for a second. It doesn't feel real. Yeah. And even her blowing a, massing, a massive hole in the side that seems to be a perfect circle. Oh, yeah. It's like you can kind of see the cutout yeah, in yeah. the side wall. It's like, it's a bit cartoony. Yeah, shotguns yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Mm. What was that? I don't know. <laughs> Sounded like a... Um, no, you're right. Um, there aren't really... You remarked upon this during the screening. He doesn't have a, a car. Doesn't no, have a cool not, car. Not a yeah, cool there's car. not really any cars in it. No, the vehicles are all kind of nondescript. Yeah. Like you've got the like the locations very generic. Very, very generic. And the you've camera, got the, wave the crest. camera doesn't pay any attention to them either at all. Mm. Like what, there's a nice rolls in there that he pulls up to the. And you said a Maserati at one point. Yeah, the hatchback looking thing that that. Um, Sanchez, Sanchez leaves in. the um, big meditation clinic in his facility yeah. in. I'm sure to God that badge on the front of that car is a Maserati symbol. Very well could be. I mean, mm. Maserati is a car maker. They do make cars. They do make cars. Yeah. Mm. But that's coming from the guy who was 100 percent sure that the Mustang was a Pontiac. That's right. <laughs> so, that's right. So, um, I would say my favorite vehicle is a little golf buggy. I was going to say because that. it had character. <laughs> It was memorable. It was memorable. Like, oh, look, there's a little golf cart with a frilly kind of uh, rooftop on it. 
Actually, no, my favourite vehicle was the semi. Bond in the semi was those big shots of him with the massive steering massive. wheel. Yeah, yeah changing gears. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would say my favourite favourite Virgo. Uh, my favourite vehicle would be the Wavecrest. Yeah. Milton Crest's uh, kind you of You did luxury. say they don't make boats like that. Mm-hmm. They oh, they yeah. Really, they like really the interior. Did. Yeah, that bedroom that she's in is... Timber. Is, I'd spend a night in there. Mm. Um, not like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but just, it's got multiple compartments and everything felt unique. But but yeah, there's there's nothing in there where I'm like, oh, I've got to have that. Yeah. Got to have that vehicle. Mm. No. Anything for you, Jake? No, not really. I'll give a notable mention to the um, sort of mini sub that the divers use. Oh, yeah. Get the, the shark kind of facility. Yeah, that was, that was the, yeah, the shark. Yeah. Catch. I think actually now, yeah, I'm trying to rack my brain, it did shark, have a name. It had the shark Shark Hunter 2. Shark Hunter 2. Shark Hunter, shark Hunter, Hunter 2. Yeah, yes. Shark Hunter 2. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah, vehicles, very disappointing. Yeah. I'm trying to think if that's a markdown for me. I think it is. I think it might be. In yeah. my books. You think of iconic Bond films, you want the cars. You want that car. Particularly coming off the back of Living Daylights, which had one of the best yes. of the Bond Ooh, cars. Just yes. bring back that car. Yeah. Let me see more yeah, of you. Yeah, come on. Um, sets. Standout set. Ooh. Well. The casino. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Really? Mm. The casino. That was... Uh, yeah. Well, it was pretty big. I mean, it was quite a, quite impressive scale. To well, that, when you said that, that, that was pointed out, yeah, that's right. You said that it was pine wood, and I stand by it because <laughs> of the statue, right? The statue. the statue. You were like, oh, that's the statue. That's yeah, it this looks one, like one, the statue. That's, that's, that's got to be that, in the pine drip, pine Pinewood wardrobe. Brandon said yeah. it was exactly pine wood. It, was the exa- it said it, it appears in several films. Yeah. <laughs> this is exactly. <laughs> That statue, that statue did look like the slightly racially insensitive statue that appears in a lot. When the elevator doors closed, when they went up to their room, they wobbled like cardboard. So surely, well, that elevator is not pine wood. No, in the in the casino. Oh, oh, not not the one that's inspected. Not the elevator. Yeah, yeah. Um, No, maybe. I think my favorite location is the final location. Always seems to be the big facility, the, big the meditation, conve- the meditation yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. Mm. With pretty cocaine, impressive. With the plant. soundproof um, bedroom, the soundproof bedroom. Oh, the, no. um... What does that imply about <laughs> that guy? Oh, Gee whiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not good. Not good. Um, yeah, again, sort of nothing's jumping out to me. No, really. It's missing that Ken Adam touch a little yeah, bit. Yeah, favourite set, you know, really mm. striking kind of set. I right? would say the only, yeah, the only thing that's iconic set-wise is the meditation mm. chamber with the massive bloody yeah, lifting, helipad yeah, lifting up. Was it a helipad? What, what, what was that? Yeah, it was. It was it sort was. of an underground helipad. It lifted oh, up yes. and it went down to your concrete floor there. That's and, right. and Old Maid's mansion was too gaudy, wasn't it? Yeah. To really... Right, yeah, yeah with the with the thing, the a lot of that salmon pink. chair lift. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, salmon pink. Mm. Even was wearing a what he was like wearing a salmon was pink good. shirt. Yeah. Or no, it was more fluoro pink shirt yeah. actually. Then he had a like navy cardigan over the top of it at one stage. It was just oh yeah, really that's right. Straight. Yeah, very eighties, very Miami Vice. That kind of um, bright colours. And... Yeah, what what are the colours? Pink and 
teal. Yeah, maybe. Are they pink and aqua? Really? Yeah, they're kind of pastel colours. Yeah, the very 80s. I've never thought I'd see Bond in an oversized t-shirt. Oh, yeah, we did not like that. No. We did not like that. Mm. Tell you what I did like, though. Oh, yeah. Fran Sanchez. He's one yeah. of my favourite villains. Great villain. He is a really good villain, actually. Mm. Yeah. He is so believable and really chilling. Yeah, he is. Whenever he, whenever he realises or thinks he realises that he's been betrayed, the way he dispatches people oh, is so my. effortlessly cold. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's horrifying. When he kills Milton Crest oh, in God. that pressurised chamber, that oh my God. God, but then still has the ability to turn around after and say, "Hey, Patron, what do we do with the money? Launder it." Mm. It's yeah. like he's got the little quips as well. He's got a real kind of edge of dark Bond, yeah, yeah, which I like in yes. the in the villain. I think Robert Darby, the actor who plays him, has said that he kind of styled his villain on being Bond. The dark Easy. side. Mm. Mm. He's the Bond working in the drug trade. Yeah. Which I get a sense of. Yeah. It doesn't so work so well in uh, Die Another Day. Oh, God. But, um, yeah, I don't mind Christ. that idea of a dark Bond. Mm. Yeah. You, Which you we talked about in Goldeneye. Yeah, there is Bond. in that yeah. Goldeneye, yeah. Mm. What I love about him is that... Um, oh, Jake, you've started talking and... You have to have thinking. something to say before you <laughs> so can't just say things. Um, oh, no, next, next. Come back to me. <laughs> All right, we'll come back to you. What did you think of Sanchez? Does he stand out for you as the big villain? Or if not, who does stand out? He does stand villain? out as the big villain, and he's high in the running, I think, for me. Really? As being one of the great villains. He's, oh. up, there with, he's up there with Kananga for me. Yeah, so for sure. Far, absolutely. absolutely, yeah. Up there with Kananga, up there with Le Chiffre. Um, yeah I really liked him a lot Mm. he's very good Mm. he elevates this film where there are scenes in this film where I'm like man if if this wasn't Robert Darby doing what he's doing right now I don't know if I would be that interested Mm. Mm. there are interactions where I'm like because he keeps going on about loyalty 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 I think in the hands yeah, of a lesser right, actor. Mate. Yeah, in the hands of a lesser actor, you'd go, yeah, all right, all right. Steam, theme stated, thanks very much. But he just, he manages to bring that line in so many times and in so many different ways that it feels right. For yeah, the well, I never, my ears never pricked to it. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, there I didn't go. feel like I But that might be head. from repeat viewings mm, of being true. like, oh, yeah, he does say that a lot. Mm. Uh,. Who would you say our secondary villain is? He's got quite a few people working for him. Crest. Yeah. I think Crest. Crest yeah. is. He's up there for me too. He's awesome. He's really good. Yeah. Brilliant. That scene where he comes into uh, Lupe's room. Mm. And he's drunk. Yeah. Oh. That's brilliantly played. Yeah. If that actor was missing. not drunk on set, he is damn good. Yeah. That burp weird kind oh. of reflux thing that he does halfway through his yeah, sentence yeah. great. And, and him kind of being quite like done. leering towards her like he's mm. leering over her mm. but he knows deep down there's that fear within him of like don't do, do anything. anything here don't touch her yeah. because you've seen what Sanchez does. has done yeah. to someone who messes with his stuff Yeah, and that's one thing going back to 
the thought that evaded me before with Sanchez is like not only do I buy him as the head honcho grand puppeteer of his organization Mm. but he's the villain that can hold his own against Bond physically oh yeah and by the end of this film it's mano y mano it's Bond versus Big Bad having it out on the back of a truck on the back of a truck which is something you wouldn't get with say Donald Pleasance no yeah you know (laughs) Sean Connery Connery would kick his ass (laughs) (laughs) but those two it's like yeah okay not only has he got the brains to run this incredibly successful operation but he's got the brawn to back it up himself yeah and then he really believes he's the top dog everyone fears him you know, he can really mess you up. He doesn't need other people to do his dirty work for mm. him. He can He's okay to get down yeah. and dirty. Yeah, Crest was in, an incredible henchman. Benicio had a, such amazing screen presence. My oh goodness. God. At 21. No, wait, no 21. wonder he has gone oh, no to become wonder. what he has become. Oh, like, Oscar winner. Yeah, amazing. Oh, my God. Great there part. wasn't enough of him. In, I mean, some of his little... If I could critique Benicio's performance, oh. <laughs> just some of the, uh, I think that in the in the stupid bar fight where he lunges with a knife and it's oh, really and like kind of obvious. Yeah, I know. He's waiting for them yeah. to come. Kind of, but yeah, I feel yeah. like that's the editor's fault because not when the choreographer's. Well, no, because yeah. when because when you film them in that way, just because I've I have filmed some fight scenes that mm. you have want to ended up that being point. dodgy, and it's like if you just cut half a second earlier that looks like a following through you don't wait until he's reached that end point you know you cut yeah, before yeah. you get there so that there's constant motion mm. yeah that it's just so poorly done that mm. little thing and it just it does it makes all the actors look like hacks yeah, yeah. it makes Dalton look dopey as well yeah mm. yeah it does um, waiting for your bloody block he's got yeah. my favourite line though Benicio in this don't worry, we gave her a nice honeymoon. <laughs> Which, when I first saw that, Whoa. I was like, he chucked her off a building <laughs> or a cliff? Because that's what I thought it was. It's like, honeymoon. <laughs> but no, it looks like they've shot her or stabbed her in the chest. Oh, God. And raped and her. It, it, the, there's a strong implication that she was, yeah. It's really brutal, this film. It's really brutal. It is. It's, it's as dark as the Bond films get until Craig. In fact, I actually think it's think a it little gruesome? darker. If not for its kind of late 80s contrivances, at its heart, it is darker yeah, than yeah. Craig's film. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're yeah. 100% right. Yeah, mm. they pull off just a little bit. Yeah. They put a pillow over it yeah, sometimes yeah, just yeah. to soften the screen. Excuse me? You got something you want to tell us? <laughs> um, no, I think you're right. We lead in now to some... Uh, I made a bold statement in my preconceived notion mm. that I thought that these were the weakest of the Bond women yes you're only half right for a while I was <laughs> wrong and then I was proven very 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 right <laughs> towards the end of this film it is almost as if Talisa to, to Soda gave up yeah and stopped acting like did they film the rehearsal yeah, I don't she know. is not really giving it much. Back forty, 
She says she's not giving in anything. She says, "I love you," and I'm scared the exact same way. Oh, good pickup. You know? Yeah, it's like that's a cardinal sin. There's mm. no differentiation between any emotions uh, towards mm. that. Yeah, the, the back end of her performance. But I thought she I was didn't quite... mind the back end of her performance. Leo, Leo, Leo. This is Cut rated M. But, <laughs> uh, no, but but like, she's quite good in the first part of this film. Yeah, she's convincing enough. Well, don't know. She's convincing enough yeah. for me. It's yeah. when we start having to believe that she's like head over heels in love because and she's terrified that in the for her life. Yeah, she's, she's like, not. who? Who the fuck are you? And then when he breaks into the you boat again, us. and get she's like, you. yeah, you're going to get me killed. Yeah. So, and then all of a sudden she's head over heels. I love him so much. No. Continue also, with her original motivation. As if she would sneak into Bond's room and screw him I know. 10 seconds after Sanchez has Was just, just left. in the same room. And she makes up some cock and bull story of like, oh, she's off to speak to like the Chinese drug dealers or off to Milton Crest's boat or something so she's like he'll be gone all night and it's like well uh, no you still wouldn't do it no. yeah. this this house is oh and Mr. Bond oh what <laughs> yeah <laughs> what? yeah exactly I mean aside from the inherent danger it doesn't seem to be in her nature she doesn't have a nature like when like she's to not begin, really a the, character the, well, the a relationship character. that's been established at the start yeah is it doesn't really allow Mm. For for her to for that relationship to end up where it does. Yeah, I I I really feel like there's a missed opportunity with her, and it's with her. I think you don't need the Pam character, um, Bouvier slash Kennedy. They keep doing this, getting two girls to do one girl's yes, job because <laughs> we are introduced to Sanchez. And Lupe at the same time, yep. and Sanchez kills the woman, the man that Lupe presumably was in love enough yep. to risk her and his life for. Yes. Well, now that we've seen her full motivations, maybe she had no idea what she was well, doing. Yes, yeah. and yeah. that's what makes her totally so weak because them. it would be so fascinating mm. if Bond figures out. Like, at first, she's like, get your hands off me, don't come near me, blah, 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 you don't know what you're doing. It would be so much more interesting if Bond had infiltrated the Sanchez's network, figures out that he has killed the, the man that she loves, and she wants revenge on Sanchez as well. She wants a way and out. And then works with and him. And then they team up together to bring the organisation down from the inside. Yeah. But no, they follow the formula and they have two Bond girls. Because why? Because every Bond film has two Bond girls. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary. No. And it, it, it's, it's a, it just takes away from her character from me. I, I think you're right. I don't think she has a character in this. Yeah. Um, no. She's just his mistress and she's nice to look at. Yeah. She runs out of a purpose. Yeah. Well, at the end, she's just like, the president comes up, puts his hand on the small of her back, and she's like, oh, yep, yeah, you'll do. Yeah. Thanks very What's much. What's up with that? What's that about? It's just shocking. After just it's, macking on with Bond. It's lazy writing. It's lazy writing. Hmm. Um, yeah. She what, could have had more to do. What did you think of uh, Ms. Bouvier slash Kennedy? Loved her. You really did. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was great. <laughs> yeah, I bet. 
Why did you think she was great? Um, Explain yourself. How dare you? How dare you? Um, look, I think she was. I think she was dynamic. I think she had purpose and drive. I like the fact that um, she came from a place of experience, and she was like, "Don't lecture me about." Uh, danger and all of this kind of stuff to uh, to Uncle begin with. Choppers and Nam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some other. One. It was like I I didn't think she was a damsel at all. Um, why does she hang around? Well, she's trying to get these stinger missiles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sting- I know. This is why there's too much going on though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like this whole kind of because she's introduced at the wedding with Felix. Yeah. Um, Who is CIA? So it makes sense for him to be more interested in stinger missiles than drugs, which is the DEA's bloody totally profile. Totally. I don't know. Yeah, it's too much. It's too convoluted. Mm. The more I think about it, why is why is Felix so hell bent on Sanchez? That's not really ever established. It's just the very top of the movie. And they're going, we found Sanchez. He's in America. Okay, let's go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay, he's clearly... <laughs> That's not been established. Like, is Sanchez Felix's Blofeld? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, He's yeah. kind of played with that level of state. Right? Yeah, there's that kind of mythos that needs to be built a bit more mm. with this. Oh, God, the more I talk about this film, the less I'm liking it. Uh, interesting. I'm having an experience with it where I'm liking it less and less because... Coming out of the viewing, I was like, yeah, yeah, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. But the more I pick this film apart, I'm like, oh, it's there's a lot of lot of missteps. Mm. I'm feeling a very similar way, but I'm resting on some goodwill. I think. I think there was a. I think yeah. Timothy Dalton gives us a lot in the movie, and I, I don't he's, know. He's brilliant in it. Mm, it's hard. It, you. you, I, you hit something there. I'm yeah. also. The more I think about it, the more I'm going. Yeah. And I wonder if there's an argument to be made for... Because there seems to be this kind of tension between us (laughs) and and between... Just in yourself, Jake. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Of the Bond formula wrestling against a revenge film. Well, yeah. Well, what I find so interesting is that, yeah, is that we all think that ties it. That we all really, for some reason, whereas for diamonds we were kind of going, let's start looking at the things we don't like because our general feeling is that we don't like this movie. Yes, yes. And so our nose goes that way. But here it's like we all really want to like this one. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? I don't know. Mm. I think it's. I think it's the fact that there are. You're watching this film and you're going, "There's some fucking gems in here. There's some real moments that are just." Stunning. With Great a interesting pieces. story of revenge. Fantastic story. Yeah. Some yeah. killer performances, particularly from Bond and Sanchez. I mean, there's so much going on. You're seeing that steady hand of John Glenn. It's very There's steady. moments where you're going, oh my God, yes, that mm. reminds me of, oh, that feels like a Bond movie. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 more of that. And then these kind of missteps that just feel flabby and kind of glued on. Mm. It just... I think that's the only way to really describe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did say that there was a character... When we were watching, I was like, there was a character that I thought Jake would love. Mm. Was I right? 
No, not really. Bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't love him. No, not really. Uh, see, I thought he would be the thing you would love. Didn't stand out to me at, uh, at all, really. Right. He yeah. reminded me of the villain, not villain, um, one of the characters in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Do you remember oh, the, really? Do you remember the Which Indian, the, the Indian uh, rich Indian casino owner or and Paula Patton and Tom Cruise go in disguise and then he falls in love with Paula Patton and then oh. he takes her to see his private art gallery. I don't remember, you don't remember that, that? It's really sad. Oh. Any listeners out there, if you're feeling that connection, then yeah. we're... Uh, <laughs> we're tapped in. <laughs> he actually, for me, is a moment of uh, levity where I go, yep, yep, okay. I like it's, this it's because nice it still services the story. Yeah, it's also nice to see what I... Lo- one touch that I was really glad was in this film because it's not in every Bond film it's in Live and Let Die mm-hmm. I remember it all very presently in Live and Let Die but this idea of checking in with the other people in the world <laughs> yes you know yeah. like like the, the with the truck chase the, the, the two old people and the dog and the pineapple, and the pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> you know those little touches of let's just check in here and I think that character is one of those where it's like you get a really good sense of his view of the world. Yeah. And you're yes, just yes. like, you are so oblivious this to what's going on. This all isn't happening in a bubble. Like, is, yeah, he lives in his little bubble. I think it's funny. Yes. I like that. I like that aspect of the Bond movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he, for me, I, I, I quite like him. Mm. Um, he's played by Wayne Newton. Um, who I've known. It is Wayne Newton. It is Wayne Newton. He was very familiar to me. Yes, that's why I said Donny Osmond. But Wayne yes, Newton well, is he a... is apparent. I think Wayne Newton is a Donny Osmond type. type. He's like a lounge singer. Yeah, or something yeah, he's an like old that. crooner and like a Vegas entertainer. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The story is that he rang up Cubby Broccoli and said, "Look, Cubby, I really want to be in a Bond film. <laughs> so if you got a role." I'll take it. <laughs> and so they just wrote this role for him and yeah. just were like, yep, yeah, there you go. You're a nice enough fella. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Jump in. I think his performance is quite good, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah he yeah. never apes for the camera. No. And he keeps the story moving along. And I just also like seeing an incidental character like this, a bad guy who kind of gets, you know, he gets one pulled over on mm. him. Yeah. And he's just like, uh, game respects game. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's Bless your heart. Bless your heart. You when she grabs the carpet bag off him, yeah. it's just like, in a story of revenge yeah, as well. Yeah, too. he's just like, ah, you know what? Who cares? I've still got millions. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, it's it's a good counterpoint to Sanchez, who any indiscretion is treated with with violent punishment. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had a you had a little favorite as well, actually. Another guy who worked for. Um, <sighs> Oh Sanchez. yeah, the, the young little uh, financial accounting <laughs> wizard guy. Yeah, I he looked really familiar to me as well. I don't know if he went on to have a career or something. I don't know. He for me, I he's not familiar to me in any way more than being a yuppie. Mm. Right. I think that's what I recognise. He about must be him. a similar age to Benicio, would he not? Have to be. Yeah, He'd have to be. Maybe a bit older. Actually, I thought he was really. He reminded me a bit of Jared Leto. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he said that kind of... Yeah, okay. Ja- you know what? It could be Jared Leto in um, American, American Psycho. Psycho. Mm. Uh-huh. He, he really m- makes me think of, of American Psycho. Mm. Yeah. He's got that late 80s yuppie He does. Thing yeah. That he does it well. He really doesn't drop a beat, that Yeah, guy. he really does. Yeah. Yeah, it's... 
I'm partial to him. Mm. Honourable mention, Sanchez's henchman. So, who is our day player? Who does the day player of the week Well, he's got my vote. That guy, the guy who's calling out to Lupe, she's getting on the boat. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going shopping. No. Uh, Senorita. Uh, No, stop. (laughs) He just knows how much shit he's getting into. He's probably going to be dead. By tonight. Yes. The the pain on his face is priceless. It's so well done. He's up shit creepy. And he's like fully sweating. Fully sweating. He's so out of shape that he's just like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah, he's day player of the week for Uh, sure. uh, The style of Bond is very important. And I had mentioned in The Living Daylights that there was an egregious sin in this film. And I stand... Buy it wholeheartedly. Dracula hair mm. on yeah. Mr. Dalton. Big yeah. mistake. Who is casino asleep? hair? Oh, God. Who <laughs> fell asleep there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether to give that worst outfit or uh, just the t-shirt hair. the tux is alright. Tux is fine, but it's made worse. So by... you're saying the hair is part of your outfit now? Well, yeah. It's part of the style. It's, part, right. of style. it's part of the style. Yeah, yeah, like yeah sure. I think it's his worst look. It's his worst look. That's yeah, really bad. For sure. But I think I have to give it to T-shirt. That, t-shirt win. Yeah, bad outfit. Baggy t-shirt. In a head-to-head. Baggy yeah. T-shirt. Imagine the T-shirt with the hair. <laughs> but is the T-shirt... Is the T-shirt a, a uniform because they've hijacked the pilot boat? It it does have some narrative sense to it, which I. But you can Q's do it with a different like T-shirt. An old steamboat Willie Captain. <laughs> yeah, it, but you can always make another choice there. Yeah. You know, yeah. once you see the out uh, the costume on the actor and go, yes, we do want it to be grounded because he's found it in the plane and thrown yeah. it on, and maybe it needs to be a little bit big just to re-emphasize that point. But even so. Just something like because if he got into the pilot boat yeah, and he grabbed a uniform so shirt and it fitted in perfectly. I'd be raising just as many questions about that as I would if it was super bad. But I don't think he finds it on the ship. Yeah, he does. That That's Q's boat. They hire oh. that boat. That's Q's boat. I thought that's the pilot boat for the harbour to guide in boats in and out of the harbour. Oh, so they steal that boat. They yeah. steal the pilot boat because oh. Bouvier's dressed as the pilot and she steps onto the wave crest Jeez, and crashes the boat. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, true. So I, th- I think that shit shirt, though it is a shit shirt, is actually... Are you a, defending? Uh, are you uniform... making an excuse for this? No, are you saying I'm it's a just, good shirt? I'm, no, I'm not saying it's a good shirt. <laughs> it's definitely the worst outfit. But I'm just giving voice to the shit shirt. All right. What's your, what's your favourite outfit? I don't know if I can actually remember one. Yeah, see, he's not the classiest Bond. When I, when I think of... Classy. I think he is in Living Daylights. He's very classy in Living Daylights. Yeah, for sure. I think he's got good decorum and good etiquette and things like that, but I don't think of Dalton as being the most stylish Bond. He's, he's like 10% daggy. There's no a bit matter of dag what he wears. <laughs> yeah. There's a bit of dag about it. I mean, mm. look, the, the navy shirts that, he, that he's got that mm. fit him yes. is a great look for him. I think it's definitely his colour. The one that's tucked into the, to the belt. He's wearing at the bank. Yeah, it comes in with yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. I would say that is my favourite outfit, but it's not an outfit that I would like jump to as being, ooh, iconic Bond. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it is something that you could wear for yourself too, if you want to find it. 
you know, dress as Bond in your everyday. You can, yeah, you can... I do kind of wear that outfit. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind You're of wearing, wearing it, it at now. the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty simple outfit. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a simple everyday thing. Um, but in I... terms of class and high style... It's not the film for it, is it? No. No, it's really not. You don't turn a corner and go, Ooh, look at that. Look at yeah. the cut of that suit. Look at the silhouette of that shirt. Look at those shoes and trousers. God, the more we talk about this, um, the less I'm like, the less I give a shit about it. Uh, mm. I'm really, I'm neither here nor there on the Michael Kamen score. I think it's really good. I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, it's not a bad score. No, at all. no. It kind of doesn't call attention to itself, though. There were a number of moments, where I think, where you pointed out, you're like, yeah, but they're the Kamen. Bond thing. Hmm. Yeah, it was moments where I went, "Oh, that's the Bond thing." He put oh, it in the right he's place. He's worked that in quite well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. there's no, um, there's no theme for any of the characters. Like I couldn't hum you. Oh no, I could hum you um, Sanchez's uh, theme. Gone. Because it's that. Yeah, yeah. On a guitar. Yeah, the, the guitar. But it's more a sting than a theme, isn't yeah. it? Hard to hum as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> can't hum it. No, can't you hum. can't hum it. That's a point down. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on the score? Again, similar to locations, nondescript and unmemorable. Really, yeah. it doesn't really stand out to me. I, I, I feel what you're saying that there were a couple of moments where you go, "Oh, yeah, there's a bit of underscore there." That's kind of, oh, but it's the Bond thing. Yeah, because it's a very different. Um, I didn't gun like. I didn't. Sequence. I was just about to say. I didn't like the gun barrel score. Oh, you didn't like it? No. Mm. Why? Why is that? I don't know. This felt a bit over the top, to be honest. Maybe a little bit too much. Right. Maybe Trying I just to be want too what different. I want with yeah. a gun barrel. Just give me what I want. Yeah, just do it. Just, just do don't it. fucking complicate it. Don't have a bullet fly at me yeah. through the screen. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Was a, it was a bit of a foreshadow and a bit of a metaphor for the script, to be honest. It was trying to do a bit too much. Oh, well done. Well done, you. Yeah. We'll put that down. Write that down. <laughs> Write that down somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the score... I think I'm more forgiving of scores than you boys are. Um, you might well be, actually. I, I might, yeah. I think it was... The fact that it was... Although you were hard on the GoldenEye score. I was. Although it was, you know, it wasn't very present or uh, or original, it was serviceable. And yeah. that wins a lot of favour favor for me in a score. It's like, as long as it's doing its job, mm. yeah, I'm not going to complain. You don't want to telegraphing anything. Yeah, too, exactly. You know? I think you're right. It's yeah. not if an it's ex- bad, then it'll stand out to me. If it's exceptional, it'll stand out to me. Yeah. But it's hard to get that level of... Yeah, this was just kind of like... Look, you did a good job. Yeah. He was, you know, he had to fill in for John Barry because John Barry wasn't doing them anymore. Mm. I think he did a fine job. Absolutely. It yeah. doesn't stand out. There, there are a couple of examples in the earlier Bonds, particularly in the Roger Moore years, where they got guest, uh, you know, composers to come in. And you can tell that they're a different composer. Right. I think George Martin did a good job. He's probably, I think he's the only composer we've had that wasn't a Barry so far apart from um, Eric Sarah and David Arnold in the Brosnan years yes but, but in the Barry years I think we've only come across one non-Barry score haven't we that was Live sure. and Let Die yeah Live and Let Die with yeah. George Martin yeah. which was good mm. so yeah. we've, we've done alright so yeah. far technically Darby we always fling to you <clears throat> um, you were a big fan of John Glenn when I we do like John Glenn The Living Daylights yeah I think he's a very good director 
we've spoken just to summarize the kind of key things we've mentioned i guess is this idea of of uh of dedicated or traditional approach to cinematography in a changing landscape Mm-hmm. I think it was the right choice. I yeah. don't. I think it was the right choice. I think it would have copped a little flack for being just another Bond film back in the day, maybe, and and not pushing the envelope in a time where other filmmakers were. But doing this thing, it's like that's what we want. Mm. You know, it's give us the Bond film. Give yeah. us, and he was. They were still doing that at this point. You know, because there were there were trials. There were trials throughout this film. Whether yeah. it be the Michael Bay slow-mo DEA run at the but I start, think that's in every handheld movie. stuff yeah mm. people are kind of pushing the limit and trying different things but yeah. there was there was always something that would kind of bring it back I mean exactly. one thing that stood out to all of us I think was when Bond's infiltrating the uh, fish tank facility oh yeah Yes. And the silhouette, the shadow of the shark yes. goes across oh, the top left corner work. and then bang, all of a sudden, the, there's the a handsome gun, in, the gun. in there. Yeah. yeah, in terms of the work that John Glenn is doing, you can rest assured it's always very detailed, yeah. really beautifully thought out. Yeah, um, He's let down by... You know, it's, it's interesting because a couple of times you, you said, I actually really am liking this script. But I think what you meant was that you're really liking the dialogue. Yeah, well, no, well, when I said that, mm. uh, we the last time I said that was when we were at that moment where um, he before he kills Killinger mm. with the um, throwing the briefcase on him and that kind of stuff. Up to there, I'm like, I'm actually really enjoying this script the way because it's, it's a simple narrative. Yeah, at that point, it, it is, yeah. it's tit-for-tat revenge. Sanchez mm. getting revenge on Lighter and then Bond getting revenge on Sanchez. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And then it's it's after that where it starts to get overly complicated and we're bringing in all these narrative threads mm. that I kind of go, uh, yep, I don't know if I do like the screenplay as much anymore. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that the screenplay is what lets us... Yeah, because even the down. dialogue towards the end is pretty forgettable. Mm. It feels very generic 80s, like... It's nothing personal it's just business like all that stuff you get a bit like yep. yeah it's yeah. the structure right that lets us down it's the actual choices and yeah subplots and, and the, the actual subplots. work of the script Doing itself it too is, much like, yeah. trust yeah. trust the story you've got mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. you checked the time of the film at one point oh yeah and the halfway mark yeah at an hour eight what were you doing uh it's where lupe just her character went to shit. Yeah, right. That's I what just you're went. Oh, oh, okay. She's given up. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. You wonder what sequence they were shooting in? Because if it was chronological, it makes sense. It makes sense, but right? it, they she... never shoot them chronologically. But, so... but I think the Bond films do shoot pretty close to chronological, don't they? Uh, I know they don't now. They shoot all over the oh, all over they? the shop now, right. Uh, right. just because it's to do with what location and season yeah, yeah. they can get. And I, I think they've kind of always been a bit like that. Like I was watching a behind the scenes of Die Another Day the other day uh, with you, Jake. Actually, uh, we were watching it, and the first scene that they were shooting it was oh. the first day of shooting, and it was the um, the simulation where Money Penny is found. Dead. dead at a desk and oh, Bond's gosh. going into yeah. M's that office. was all the, the first that was the was first the day first of shooting thing they shot yeah surely that would have set some bloody alarm bells off right? well I said it probably set the bloody tone of what they thought they were making mm. and why Pierce Brosnan thought this was a much grittier dark and why his Bond is so bloody gritty and you know you know felt mm. is that he probably thought wow we're actually making a, 
a pretty cool dark sci-fi film. Yeah, well, a dark, well, at least dark. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm. Um, God knows. Um, I think we should rate this one. Let's Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to start with Mr. Jake Spear. Yes. I was pleasantly surprised. My preconceived notions were uh, wrong. Mm-hmm. Dalton, no, you're a dirty devil. Say so. no. I'm not going to say it. I've already said it once. Um, I think Dalton's climbing the ladder of my favourite Bond. Ooh. Um, Where is he right now? What rung? Because he's got nothing left to show you. At the moment. Jeez, I'll tell you what. I think he might be tied second. With Roger Moore. Who's number one? Oh, don't Jeez. say it. After we've seen Die Another Day, yeah, yeah, you've seen two pretty good Dalton films, and you've seen Goldeneye no, no, and no, Die no, Another no, Day. Yeah, that's right. So how the hell is the, Brosnan? I haven't seen all of the pieces yet. <laughs> then how can it be your number one? He's just got a big old man crush uh, on him. Don't you Goldeneye. see? Goldeneye. Goldeneye, Goldeneye buys Goldeneye. a lot of bloody goodwill. Then, yeah. bloody hell, you're it spending does. some. If Die Another Day does not expend the credit of goodwill, no, I'm <laughs> erasing it from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> this film was a lot more fun than I thought it was. Yeah. I didn't mind it being gritty. I was surprised by how gruesome it was. Yeah, I think the more we talk about it, the the more sort of holes you start to see in it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely shaken. Yeah. Easily shaken. Oh, okay. Especially after... Well, I mean, Diamonds is clearly far better than Diamonds. Yeah. Which is why I think I scored Diamonds... Incorrectly. Incorrectly. Would you like to, on the record, Whoa. change that rating? I think everyone Holy gets shit. one. I didn't think you were going to allow this. I, I would say everyone gets one. Jesus. Or we can say, nope, you said it, and you have to stick by your word. I think I've got to eat my hat, to be honest. You've got to eat your hat, okay? Um, which is going to stitch me up. But I think this is a shaken seven. Shaking seven. Yes. Mr. Deck? I don't know. Even right now, I don't know. I'm the same. I think if I have to commit to something, let's 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 reason it out here. I love me some Dalton. He's my favourite Bond. Uh, He's still my favourite Bond, despite the weaknesses of this film. Mm -hmm. And he still crystallised himself as my favourite despite the weaknesses of this film, which is okay. saying a lot about That's it. That's huge. Yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, you're still doing the work and you're still something. You're still James Bond, you know. You're mm. still really... He's amazing. He's amazing. Um, some exceptional work in this film. A really difficult film to put together. Great production. A lot of money spent. Mm-hmm. And you can see it. And you can see it. Like, they got it in the lens. Not that that a good movie makes, but, you know, the yeah, I'm like... I'm just subtracting points for those errors which aren't as egregious as some of the errors other errors Bond has made in previous films. Yeah, particularly after what we saw last week. A lot to percolate. A what lot are the clear to... errors that you're running through right now? The 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 poor handling of uh, some of the characters, such as the not even some of the characters, just some of the characterizations. You know, oh, yeah. we have a Bond woman, so therefore she needs to sleep with Bond. Those little yes. things, yeah. the formula, the the yeah, yeah, the I don't know. I think. Look, I'm going to say it. 
It's definitely it has to be shaken. Sure. Okay. I think I'm still gonna I'm gonna go with you, Jack. I'm gonna give it a shaken seven. It, it, seven. it pulls enough goodwill to yeah. get away from that that six zone. Yeah. And up into the seven. Yeah. I was definitely yeah. shaken. I was very excited. There yeah, it's not a six. No. It's not quite it's, it's a six and a half, but I'm giving it a seven. A oh, shaken well, you're seven. You're gonna round up, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I I I agree with you, Darbs. Um, and I agree with you, Jake, actually. Look, Dalton's fantastic. Uh, he never puts a foot wrong. Wrong. Um, I think we didn't really talk about him, but we did talk about him in Live and Let Die. I think Felix is is um, there's enough goodwill for me with David Harrison, even though it's bloody sixteen years ago. Yeah, he still doesn't look too much older. No, though, he no, he's actually quite well. I was him in the helicopter, and I was like, yeah, yeah, you're his, you're Dalton's contemporary. I buy yeah, that. Yeah. I buy that. I love Sanchez. I love Benicio. I love Milton Crest. There is so much about this film that I love. Mm. Uh, great set pieces. I love the idea of Bond going rogue. And they think they nail it. That first hour of this film, I am completely on board. Yeah. I think the narrative surrounding the two Bond women lets it down for me. I think this is a film that definitely should have only had one Bond woman, mm. which would have made sense too because we've just come off Living Daylights where they nailed that uh, conceit. Mm. I think it just drops the ball a few too many times for me to say that it's um, uh, one of my favourites. Yeah. But there's enough in it that I like. I was trying to think about comparing this with Goldfinger. Which of those two films... Because I gave Goldfinger a Shaken. Mm. Shaken 6. Which of those two would I watch again? Mm-hmm. Which would I put on... You had a Red choice Red? between the two. And it's, it's License to Kill, for sure. I'd watch License to Kill before I watch Goldfinger again. Right. But like you said, License to Kill, I agree with you, is a 6.5. But I think I said in one of the episodes that if it's reaching for a number, it's not got that number. So for me, I have to round it down and I'm going to go a shaken 6. Okay. Which puts it, I think, on par with Goldfinger. Yeah. So that's that's my rating. So it's it's come out. We've given Dalton's reign a shaken. Oh, this is yes. shaken bond. Yes, yes consensus is that he's shaken. Yeah, I mean, yeah. before this, I had no clue what to expect from him. I've never seen either of his films. He mm. was always the forgettable bond for me. Mm. But yeah. now he's a he's a front front runner for the top. Well, he's job. the second bond whose tenure we have wrapped up Very in this great. review yeah. series. Ah. After ten films, we have wrapped up Mr. Lazenby and Mr. Dalton. We will not see them again. We've barely touched Roger Moore. My goodness. We've delved quite deeply into Mr. Connery. I want to touch some Roger. And we've got 50% of Brosnan's tenure left. So, gentlemen, I think you know what I'm leading up to. It's Stetson time. Mr. Deck, reach in. Grab yourself a film. Oh, he's bloody pulled out a Sean Connery. I guarantee you. You watch it. If this is another Connery, we need a redraw. And uh, if someone could hold this up for me. Now, someone made a prediction that it would be a Connery, a Moore, and a Brosnan, which would make sense. I've pulled one out. Oh, oh, it's a. F- I've got a soft spot for this film. Gentlemen, read them out in the order in which they were drawn. Oh, Darby, don't do it. I have pulled Mr. Sean Connery oh. in. From Russia with love. All right, well, it's a good film. All right, it's it's a good, good film. But I'm not in the mood. 
I tell you what you you are in the mood for though. Oh. <gasps> I tell you what you're in the mood for. You're in the mood for the man with the golden gun. Yay! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I hope we get it well, gentlemen. There is a sixty-six point six 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 repeater chance of a more because we could also be watching octopusy Ooh. well oh gentlemen goodness. Darby because you drew first pick a number one one Jake no <gasps> two oh, but this don't... is the second bomb film mm-hmm. Jesus alright no I'll stick with one <laughs> <laughs> no go two switch to two no I can't no, no, now makes sense. No, uh, you've, you've done the voodoo no you've got oh my two God. I want four four I'll go three one two and one well I guess I've got six Four and six, and I'll go three and five. Right. Well, you had right. a choice. So well. we want a three, three through to six. All right, we're about to roll the dice. Oh, God. <laughs> Anywhere between a three and a six. Yeah. That is what we need. Oh, it's got to be right. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, oh, oh. Five! Five? Oh, it's you. It's you. I had four and six. It's oh, you. It's oh, octopusy. It's octopusy. Oh. It's octopusy. It's octopusy. Oh, the God. dice fell off the table sweet onto the God. ground. Oh. Thank <laughs> God. Sweet, sweet relief <laughs> of oh. not having. Look, we nothing gets Sean Connery. No. I just can't do. We another need to one get a more out of the way. Yes. We, just, we, we have, have to. so many. We have to. And look, gentlemen, octopusy. I'm okay with that. All right. I'm okay with it. All right. Okay. Well, we've rolled the dice. It's uh, it's time for us. We're we're going to watch this straight away, actually. Mm. So we will see you in a week's time for 1983's Octopussy. 